Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast presented by Student Union Sports. I know I say it all the time, I, like seriously, but week 17 was great. Uh, this was probably the most fun I've ever had watching football in years that I can think of. I mean, back when, you know, maybe that Colts Chiefs comeback game is a close second, but just everything that happened, uh, I had a fantasy football championship go wrong because Jalen Hurts got benched. I'm still pissed about that hurting. I'm recording it right after. So the the pain is real. Uh, But fortunately, we get to have Jameis one of one back on the podcast to help recap it all, as well as a look ahead to uh, the, the NFL draft, the coaching carousel, and next week's wildcard game. So because we have so much to talk about, and I don't want to overload you guys with so much information. We're doing two episodes this week. So the first one, we're going to talk about wildcard matchups. We're going to talk about award winners. Uh, and then we're going to cut it in half. Uh, and after that, we're going to do a mock draft, top 10 picks, coaching carousel, and maybe now some additional quarterback controversies, uh, including the ones that, that we already knew about going into the season. So without further ado, here is the final week of the regular season and my conversation with Jameis One of One. We now welcome on a very special guest, recurring guest of the program, and honestly, somebody who I really need to to help make sense of a couple of things that happened here on Sunday. It's it's Jameis One of One. Thanks so much for coming on. How you doing, brother? I'm happy to be here. Oh, I, I'm doing well. Uh, I mean, like I said, I told you before we went on, this was probably one of the best Week 17s I've had in a while, you know, being a Colts fan. Uh, needed a couple things to go right. You know, needed one of four teams to lose, and we got one of them to in a, in a very surprising way. Um, almost had the division, but you know, look, I, I'm I'm just happy to be in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, this was a this was a great day of football. What was there a was there a specific favorite part in your mind, or you just enjoy basking in all of it? Yeah, I enjoyed all of it. I mean, every single game had you know either playoff implications or draft implications. So. You know, even down to the ugly uh, Sunday night game, I mean, every bit of it was fun. Um, you know, I had some Bucks fans kind of trying to troll me, and, you know, they still think that, that uh, I don't want Brady to do good, and just nothing could be further from the truth. I've been rooting for the guy for 20 years. Um, that was fun. I mean, that was a fun game to see. So, um, I mean, the only thing that shocked me was uh, was Jalen Hurts getting benched there, but, you know, I think they're tanking, so I kind of understand it. <laughs> Yeah, that, I think that's a good a good place to start here, you know, with this Sunday night game as a whole. And, I, and you know, not to get too much into fantasy football, but to set the stage for you, basically, I'm down five points. Uh, and so, for some reason, we play week 17. I'm never, I'm never doing that again. But I had Jalen Hurts in and J.D. McKissick as well. Um, so going in the fourth quarter, you know, I'm five points down. And then all of a sudden, Nate Sudfield takes the field. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not just mad about it from a, from a fantasy perspective. But also, like, I understand that you're tanking, but two things. First off, when Nate Sedfeld turns the ball over twice in two drives, you know, even though they got the ball back on one of them, why not go back to Hertz or why not bring Carson Wentz in the game? Carson, was Carson Wentz active? Was that even possible for him to come in? Yeah, no, he, he wasn't. He wasn't even dressed for the game. Okay, okay. But 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 even then, you know, it's six points. This Because this, this goes deeper than just, you know, draft order, draft positioning. But you kind of hurt Jalen Hurts' confidence a little bit. I mean, am I wrong? Like, this is a guy who 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 wants to be in these big moments, who's been in, you know, a, a ton of close games going all the way back to his time at Alabama. Um, but to bring him in, bring in his backup, who hasn't touched the field all season, 
looked terrible. Um, and it, even though you had multiple chances to win, I mean, it felt like for a bit, Washington didn't want to lose that football game. I mean, am I wrong to think that it goes deeper than just, you know, oh, we want a good, a good pick in the draft? Yeah, I mean, I had said back uh, in a tweet a few weeks ago, you know, that it just kind of felt like Philly doesn't really know what to do with Carson. Um, I think that the ownership and the coaches are still fully behind him. They still believe in him. They know he's had this terrible year. You know, they know the fans are calling for Jalen. And they also know that if they put him on the trade market, they're probably not going to get much. And so it always kind of felt to me like like Philly was kind of throwing Jalen out there and then in order to kind of pull him back. And I was actually thinking, you know, had he played terrible against, say, the Saints or, or one of the teams he played, that they would have just reinserted Carson and told the fan base, see, Carson is better. You know, mm-hmm. don't call for this kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jalen had some good games. I mean, he played great against the Saints, who had no tape on him. And then, you know, he kind of fell off a little bit towards the end. And tonight he was pretty bad other than the rushing touchdowns. But that benching him for Sudfeld at the end, I mean, the game was a three-point game. You know, Jalen had your two touchdown runs. Mm-hmm. And to bench him for that guy is, to me, I mean, on top of tanking, it was sort of a way of setting themselves up to turn back to Carson, to bring them both back next year and let them compete, and to stick with their guy, who I still think is Carson. Um, I have somebody in the, in the organization there that feeds me some news sometimes, and I still think that they're behind Carson. Mm. Personally, I'd love to see him traded to the Colts. I think he's pushing for that. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know that they believe in Jalen as, as the guy going forward. And this being the last game of the year and benching Hurts at the end for Nate Sudfeld, I mean, that, that sticks with you. That sticks with a fan even all offseason. And, they're, you know, everybody's going to be like, well, I mean, is Jalen really the guy? He was benched for Sudfeld. Maybe we should turn back to, to Wentz. So I think that this sets them up to stick with Carson or even if they do trade him to maybe get a little bit more form because now they're in a little bit better position where they can say, well, we don't need to trade him. We actually still believe in him, not Jalen. Yeah, and, and I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you necessarily, but I feel like if that's the mindset, then why not dress Carson Wentz? Why not have him as the backup in case? And then this is a totally different story because I, I think the, the, the Eagles will be way more competitive going up against a guy like uh, like uh, Carson, bring out a guy like Carson Wentz instead of going to Sudfeld. Um, so it, it, it just doesn't seem like, I don't know, the, the pieces aren't adding up, but I do want to ask you something that I wouldn't have even thought to have asked you know, before the, there was a specific moment, I think it was two plays before the end of the game, the the Washington football team was sending three guys to the quarterback and, and Sudfeld got drilled on a, on a down the field pass. Like he came through practically untouched. And I know Chase Young is great, but he's not, you know, fight through potentially double, triple team and, and, and get to the quarterback untouched. Great. Is there a chance? It just felt like they lost the locker room. That, that Doug Peterson lost the offensive line, lost the the team there. You know, the the defense played hard, but is there a chance that Doug Peterson is gone because of the way this game went? Because of the way he's managed not only the season and I understand injuries, but this whole Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz quarterback situation. Well, I'll say two things, um, and one is kind of a devil's advocate, spin it the other way thing. First, um, I do think it was clear that they were tanking. Uh, especially, you know, towards the end there, mm-hmm. you know, the jumping off sides on fourth down. I mean, there was just a lot in leaving Sudfeld in after the two turnovers. I don't think they wanted to win that game. Um, right now they're in the sixth. They have the number six pick in the draft. Had they won, they would have dropped to the ninth. Uh, and that, that, that's a, it's a sizable drop. I mean, even just in draft capital, when you look up how much each pick is worth, it's a sizable drop to go from six to nine. And then as far as Peterson, though, I would say that 
them tanking actually points to him feeling secure in his job. Mm. Because if he actually, you know, had had the inclination uh, or had the inkling that he was going to be fired, I think he would have been trying to win. I mean, that would have hurt their draft stock. It would have made him look better. So that they tanked, I, I think he's probably, you know, been assured he'll be back. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I'm with you, I guess. But part of that would be like, maybe if you're the owner, you know, you want to win games, light, light a little fire under uh, underneath the, the head coach, see what happens. But I will say, for as mad as probably a lot of Eagles fans were, and, uh, you know, maybe even some of the players tonight, nobody was more upset than the New York Giants fans and players who were, you know, really thinking maybe there's a chance, maybe they can get something going. And, and just to have that taken away uh, was was truly disheartening. You know, my, my heart goes out to him, but um, my dad is a Washington football team fan, has been one since uh, since the, you know, since he was born, basically, since he liked football. So I'm happy for him uh, that, that that they get an opportunity to, you know, go up against the Bucks uh, in a way that, you know, maybe none of the fans would have expected. So shout out to Ron Rivera, um, what he's done, you know, even at seven and nine, you, you know, you, you made the playoffs. That's that's uh, something that you can can definitely be proud of. Uh, but for Washington, you know, we'll talk about their their matchup with the Bucks in a little bit. But the playoffs are here. And instead of, you know, I was thinking instead of going through all the games that have just happened, we're going to do what pretty much every fan who's got, you know, some sort of uh, rooting power left. Uh, and we're going to shift over to to wildcard weekend. Uh, and, and it's a big one, you know, a lot bigger, I should say, because we've got two triple headers, um, seven teams now. Uh, or, or seven teams in the playoffs. So I'm excited for this one. Let's start off with the first game, the one o'clock on Saturday game, uh, Buffalo Bills versus my Indianapolis Colts. So I was a little bit disappointed. You know, I was watching the, the Texans-Titans game with a, with a high interest because I think there's a big difference between playing the Ravens, who, yes, have been hot as of late, uh, and going up against the Buffalo Bills, who may be the hottest team in football, you know, hanging 50-plus points on what would have been a Miami Dolphins playoff team in a do or die, especially having, you know, a half of Matt Barkley. I mean, these Bills, are the Bills the best team in the AFC? Can you make the case for that? Or is that, you know, are, are we just saying, wait for the Chiefs? No, I, I think you can make the case. I mean, I, I think you can definitely make the case that they're the best team in the NFL. Um, now, I, I wouldn't, you know, if I had to bet, I'd still bet on KC. Mm-hmm. Um they're the defending champs, and you know, I mean, they easily could have been fifteen and one. They just rested everybody, so there's no reason to bet against them. But Buffalo looks like a powerhouse um, to do what they did to Miami, who was in a play-in game. I mean, they when they're in the playoffs, they lose. They're basically out, and to just demolish them like that, and that was you know the number one defense in football for a time this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's extremely impressive, you know. And the Chiefs have been sputtering lately. Um, Patrick Mahomes basically lost the MVP, you know, in, in his last four games. His, his stats really kind of dropped. Um, so I definitely wouldn't want to run into Buffalo. Um, I'm very happy for Phillip Rivers and the Colts. You know, I mean, I, I've been on many times with you, and I just I didn't really believe in them even as a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, of course, had the, had the Dolphins won, you know, the Colts would have missed out even with 11 wins. But I'm super happy to see them in there. Jonathan Taylor looks like, you know, a future rushing champ. Um, and I, and I hope they can put out a good showing, but I definitely don't expect them to beat Buffalo. I mean, and, and you know, Buffalo's won six straight games, and they're outscoring their opponents 38-18. to 18. I mean, it, it's they're just killing mm-hmm. people. And the Colts, you know, they come in hot. They're, I mean, they've won four out of five. Um, and and in, those, so in those spans, you know, the, the Bills' last six games all wins, and the Colts' last five games, four of them wins. Their only common opponent was the Steelers. They each played the Steelers. 
And, you know, the Colts built a big lead and then sort of choked that away. They lost by four. The Bills kind of spanked Pittsburgh and they won by 11. So I'm definitely, you know, thinking the Buffalo uh, Bills win and probably win pretty big. Yeah, I, I mean, the the thing that I think most Colts fans are going to be looking at in the offseason is that Steelers game because that takes us from the seven seed up to the three seed. You know, that, that gives us a chance to... Uh, to to host a playoff game to potentially avoid um, Buffalo and uh, or Buffalo for the first round uh, and the Chiefs in the second round if everything goes right. But I mean that you know that's that's going to be the thing I'm looking at in the off season. Uh, but like you said, not a ton of optimism for for the Colts. I know they can get it going if they have to, but Philip Rivers in a in a cold temperature climate. Is there is there what's the way that the Colts win? Because I know you said that uh, the, the the Bills are probably going to roll, and I'm always going to be uh, be looking for the the optimistic side that the way that the Colts can keep it close. I know they've got a great defense. I know Jonathan Taylor just broke the Colts' rushing record, but what's the thing that has to happen to keep the Colts competitive in this game? Maybe even give them a chance to win. Well, if the Colts can win the turnover battle and and be effective on the ground, I, I think they've got a good shot. Um, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is, he's one of the hottest backs in football. Obviously, Derrick Henry is the hottest, but, mm-hmm. you know, he's up there. He's had some great games recently. Um, and if Phillip Rivers can protect the ball and they can turn Josh Allen over, which is possible, you know, Allen, uh, I think he's got, I want to say, 14 turnovers total on the year between fumbles and interceptions. So it's possible, but, you know, I, I expect the opposite. I expect Josh to kind of have a field day and, and for Phillip probably be the guy that turns it over. Yeah, and, and I understand that. You know, Aaron Rodgers has really the last few weeks cemented his case as the MVP. But let's transition here. Talk a little bit about, you know, who's really going to get this MVP. I mean, like you said, Patrick Mahomes, and I agree, definitely gave it away. Uh, Aaron Rodgers on the season, 4,300 yards, 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. I mean, Josh Allen has been playing really well. He doesn't have uh, the the touchdown uh, the touchdown numbers on the uh, through the air but he's he catches them pretty close on the ground for over 400 yards rushing eight touchdowns in addition to a 34 to 9 touchdown interception ratio and uh 4300 yards so is it Aaron Rodgers going away and I know it's you know really it's just a regular season award or will some voters be swayed to what Josh Allen has done uh and, and give him the award yeah the, the way I have it uh Rodgers wins uh in a landslide um I posted out a tweet today, you know, just looking at total yards, total touchdowns, total turnovers. Um, you know, actually, Mahomes still has the most total yards of the three, even though he sat out a game. Mm. So that's obviously a, a check in, in his category. But um, he has the least amount of touchdowns. You know, Rodgers has, has the most, Allen second most. Um, you know, and then turnovers, Rodgers has the least. So with just the one more win for Patrick and him sitting out the last game, I think Rodgers wins it in the landslide. I know, uh, you know, Nick Wright, uh, at first things first, will be upset about that and, and he thinks it's the he's quoting stop the steal stop the steal but <laughs> um rogers definitely deserves it you know um I, I know a lot of people you know wonder about derrick henry i think derrick henry probably will win offensive player of the year after seeing michael thomas win it last year uh only the second wide receiver ever other than jerry rice um i don't think that award necessarily needs to go to a quarterback and i think derrick henry will win the offensive player of the year but i think rogers uh definitely gets the mvp yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a case to really rebrand these awards. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's got to be, um, I mean, because the MVP is a quarterback's award. And I don't think, you know, unless there's a drastic shift in, in how play calling, uh, you know, the NFL itself is is run, 
I mean, it's going to be a quarterback's award for for the long time being. A guy can get, you know, like Derrick Henry can rush for 2,000 yards and and still come up short. So it's uh, it, it, it's going to be tough to overcome that. So the Offensive Player of the Year award honestly should just be a, a skill positional player award. You know, give it to a running back, give it to a wide receiver who's had an outstanding season. And Derrick Henry has, I mean, far and above the the best running back this season with, with that 200-yard uh, rushing game in the in the clincher. You know, and so now they go into um, who is what is a very hot Baltimore Ravens team. But there are concerns and there are, you know, reasonable concerns. Lamar Jackson has struggled, hasn't put up the best numbers in playoff games. And the the Titans are, are, you know, coming off of an AFC championship game appearance. The team that, you know, looked really good behind Derrick Henry. And now, you know, it's four games of really good uh, ground and pound with Ryan Tannehill opening it up as he did, you know, to clinch this game over the Texans. So the the groundwork is laid for both teams. It's going to be heavy running, you know, a, a lot of yards on the ground. And I feel like for me, the way I'm looking at it, the team that wins in the air wins the game. And I, and I think the, the Titans are more suited to do that. I, I kind of like that, uh, that view that, that, um, you know, the quarterback who's going to be more effective through the air will win. Um, you know, I really want to pick the Ravens in this game. I, I think they're sort of the better team top to bottom. Um, and I think that they're playing better towards the end of the year than Tennessee. But Tennessee beat them last year in the playoffs, and they beat them this season. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't see how you could possibly bet on the Ravens. Tennessee just, they feel kind of like a weird team to me in that they feel a little Jekyll and Hyde. They got their doors blown off by the Packers. They got beat by the Bengals this year. Um, they didn't really show up against the Browns, you know, till the end, and they got beat by Cleveland. So they're weird. Like, they're a team that I think has the potential where they could steamroll Baltimore and then actually beat Kansas City by controlling the clock. And at the same time, if you get to where Ryan Tannehill has to throw 30 to 40 times and has to carry you, things could fall apart. So I really want to pick the Ravens in that game. I want to pick the Ravens in a close one, but I I just – you know, if you are betting, I don't see how you can bet on Baltimore when they lost last year in the playoffs and they lost this year to them. Yeah, and, and I agree. I think you can make the argument with Lamar, too. If you get him in a situation where he has to throw, you know, 30 to 40 times a game, then you're really in trouble as well. So it's going to be an interesting one. I will say, if you're looking at it from, from the defensive side of the ball, the Ravens have the clear advantage after the Titans gave up 38 to what was... I was actually surprised to find out that Deshaun Watson led the league in passing this year, but uh, that, I mean... With that offense losing DeAndre Hopkins, big credit to him. Shout out, you know, what, what he was able to do. But oddly enough, you mentioned, you know, if you're betting, you're not betting on the uh, on the Ravens. They actually open as three-and-a-half-point favorites. So all the more reason to go with this Titans team. But the defense is a concern for me. Uh, and, and you know, the, the stopping the run and getting the run going, ensuring that Derrick Henry can, you know, has a one or two more 200-yard rushing games in him, I think is is going to help with what could be another deep playoff run. I mean, do you see something similar happening, or was that just something, you know, a, a special moment in time that we're going to look back on and say, wow, the, the Titans really turned the clock back to the 1970s with this playoff run? <laughs> well, I mean, if, if you're looking at, you know, just the odds, um, you know, the odds are they probably win that first game. Um, you know, and then they go up to, to KC. So I, I don't think they're going to get past the second round. And like I said, I really want to pick the Ravens to beat them. I, I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think they're actually going to get through the playoffs. I, I think they get to the second round at best this year. So the, the next matchup that we're going to, because we did talk about Offensive Player of the Year, I'm with you. Derrick Henry going away has to be him. 
Uh, but we get a rematch of Week 17, but with a lot of different players, both uh, for both teams on both sides of the ball, because the the uh, Browns were missing a lot of defensive starters due to COVID, uh, and the Steelers rested a lot of guys. So this is going to be a new look for for the Steelers team, uh, who almost beat the Browns. You know, and this is and then all of a sudden this is a totally different conversation. Not even playing them uh, right now as it stands, the Steelers open up as three and a half point favorites. So the same spread for this Ravens Titans game. Um, but still very close given given the circumstances. I mean, look, this season I talked a, a, about it a lot. The the Steelers really struggled to get things going. I don't know if they turned a corner in the second half of the Colts game or the Colts just absolutely fell apart. But all of that being said, uh, I mean, I, I just can't go against the Steelers. I think they've got a lot more um, experience. And I love the Browns. I mean, we've talked about them multiple times on the show. I have a uh, spoiler. I've got Kevin Stefanski, coach of the year. I knew that you get that solid running game going, uh, especially with one of the best offensive lines in football. Special things are going to happen, but I think they're still a couple pieces away and the Steelers really have the edge in experience, not to mention it's going to be in Heinz Field. Uh, how do you see this game turning out? Yeah, basically exactly as you just said. I think the, the home field advantage and the experience advantage uh, to Pittsburgh and although, you know, Stefanski has been great this year, I still would give the edge to Tomlin, you know, and, and his staff just preparing for the playoffs. Um, you know, I mean, earlier in the year, Pittsburgh just demolished them 38-7. to it, it wasn't close. And even today, you know, with the Browns playing for their playoff life in Pittsburgh, really just, just taking it easy, you know, rest of the bunch of guys. Mason Rudolph almost led him to that win. Mm-hmm. Uh, they almost came back and got him. So I think with, with everything, you know, on the line next week, um, I definitely wouldn't bet against Pittsburgh. Uh, the three-and-a-half-point thing, I, I'd probably even bet over. Um, I think Pittsburgh gets them. I think Cleveland may come out and sort of be happy to be there. Uh, I know Baker's super fiery and always plays with a chip on his shoulder and, and always wants to you know, shock the world. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing his first playoff game. But um, he also might get a little wild and, and have some butterflies and, and turn the ball over and things like that. So I definitely think the Steelers come away with the, with the win. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be, uh, I'm excited to see playoff Baker. I want to see what happens. You know, we saw what he could do through the air in that Ravens shootout, you know, where they almost pulled it out. So I, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but I'll be honest with you. I'm with you. I'm taking the Steelers. I'm taking a minus three and a half, uh, and, and that'll be about it. But speaking of the Steelers uh, and talking about defensive player of the year, I mean, it's got to be T.J. Watt, right? He, he was far and above the best player. And even as, you know, guys started to to get injured around him, he continued his his run of excellence. And, I mean, it's got to be T.J., right? Yeah, I, I think he probably he probably wins the award. I, I would say, you know, the three guys um, that'll finish one, two, three in any order would be T.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, of course, and Xavier Howard, who led the league in, in picks. Mm-hmm. Um, T.J. and Aaron, you know, got to the playoffs, and I think that that weighs in voters' minds, even though, you know, really it shouldn't because it's an individual award. Um, but TJ won the sack, you know, the sack crown. Uh, he's, he's been a monster all year. The thing that gives me pause is just everybody would acknowledge Aaron Donald is the best defender. Mm-hmm. So even if you can point at TJ's stats and say he had the better year, it's possible the voters just give Aaron Donald their vote anyways because he's the best defender. Um, Donald kind of feels to me like a prime Shaquille O'Neal in basketball where, you know, everybody kind of just knew he was the best and, and you could put, you know, 11 guys around him that weren't any good and they're still going to the playoffs. Um, Donald's just that dude. But, yeah, T.J. deserves it. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say Aaron doesn't, but I, I think T.J. wins the award. 
Um, me personally, if I was voting, I probably would still vote for Donald, though. He's the best player, and even if the, the numbers aren't there, it's because of the amount of attention he draws. So it's a it's an interesting one. But, uh, yeah, I saw J.J. Watt stumping hard for his brother, and, and uh, I'd like to see T.J. get it. Yeah, no, I mean, like you said, and and well, in addition to that too, you look at the the playmakers that T.J. Watt has around him. Bud Dupree for a good part of the year, Cameron Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, they're ballers all over the that uh, Pittsburgh defense. Aaron Donald's got Jalen Ramsey. He's got you know a, a couple of other pieces uh, around him, but really nowhere near the the top level talent that that T.J. is surrounded with. But I, I'm I'm going T.J. as well. But speaking of Aaron Donald, speaking of the Rams. This is a big one for a matchup, another NFC West matchup. They go up against the the Seahawks. Let's let's take it out, this out of the equation because I, I think we're both in agreement. If Jared Goff doesn't play, the the Rams are, are are not winning this game. But let's say Jared Goff does play. Do it, you know if he if he can be any some sort of semblance of healthy? What what's got to happen for the Rams to win this game? Yeah, I'd honestly be shocked if he doesn't play. Um, he, he was slinging it around pretty good in pregame um, today, and, and I think he could have played today. You know, But the Rams were not going to miss out on the playoffs unless the Bears beat the Packers, and I don't really think anybody expected them to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think the Rams came in just figuring, you know, let's give Jared the week. So I definitely expect Goff to play. Um, if I'm betting, I'm, I'm taking the Seahawks. Just being at home, you know, they, they split in the regular season. Seattle got them at home. So I would definitely take the Seahawks. But I will say, I think the Rams are absolutely a better football team top to bottom. I, I really don't even think it's that close. I think Seattle has the much better quarterback, and that makes all the difference. Because if you just flip these teams, if you put Russell Wilson on the Rams, I'd probably take them to make the, the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And if you put Goff on the Seahawks, I don't think they make the playoffs. So that said, I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all to see the Rams win. You know, Jared is fine, and their team is fantastic, and they have the better defense. So if they can run, if they can, you know, effectively run, um, I could definitely see them winning, but I would bet on Seattle at home. Yeah, and, and looking at these numbers here, I just pulled them up. Russell Wilson against the Rams uh, is completing 60% of his passes this season, 235 yards through the air, a touchdown, and two picks. So it's not, I mean, he hasn't played great, and that's largely in part to what Aaron Donald's done, what that defensive line has done, getting pressure on Russell Wilson. But I think there's legitimate reason to be concerned. Russell Wilson has not played great for a number of weeks. I mean, you take out his win against the Jets um, where, where he looked good, but he struggled a lot. And I think part of it is, you know, they're facing good pass rushes, right? Playing Washington three weeks ago, 121 yards total through the air. Uh, even the 49ers this week, 181 uh, yards on 55% completion percentage. I mean, that's that's really the blueprint for a lot of these quarterbacks. And I mean, the, the Seahawks are, are, are close to being, you know, a, a wildcard team, as, as crazy as it sounds, you know, being 12 and four and all credit to them, great season. But it's no secret Russell Wilson has fallen off. And it's also no secret that, that Russell Wilson is that team. The defense has stepped up. They played a lot better in the last eight weeks. But how far is, can the Seahawks go if teams can consistently get pass rush pressure against Russell Wilson. Yeah, getting the getting the three seed and having home field, you know, at least in that first round is is very helpful because I think, you know, even on a neutral field, I, w- I would take the Rams, uh, let alone if the Rams had the home home field. Um, but Seattle, yeah, I, th- I think they'll they'll squeak out a tough one with the Rams this week. I don't see them beating the Saints the next game though. Um, the Saints, 
to me, are the best top to bottom team in football. You know, as far as roster, coaching, everything, they don't. There's no weakness on their team. Um, you know, you saw today, they had no running backs. Their entire running back room mm-hmm. was out with COVID, and they still just ran at will. I mean, they still had a, a touchdown on the ground and like, I think like 135 yards rushing. Um, and Drew Brees basically didn't have a bunch. You know, Michael Thomas was still out. Traquan Smith was out. Uh, Deontay Harris is still out. Tra- uh, Marquez Callaway went down. And Breeze goes out there and throws for three touchdowns and has a hundred plus pass rating, so they don't have a weakness. So I, I think Seattle beats the Rams and then gets spanked by the by the Saints. Yeah, and when Ty Montgomery himself had 112 yards, might have played his way into a a, a nice contract in this offseason with the with his showing there. But you're right. I mean, it is a testament to what these these Saints have done, and the Saints because of that are are getting matched up with what is probably the weakest team uh, coming into the playoffs. I think it's close. Maybe you can make the case for Washington. I'm going to go with, with the Bears here who kind of, I mean, it was a weird run by Mitch Trubisky to, to push them into the playoffs, and they got in even though they lost, which was, you know, just, just as crazy too. Uh, but, I mean, I can't trust Mitch. The defense is good, not great. David Montgomery's been on an absolute tear. He looks like maybe their best player not named Khalil Mack. And I know it's, it's not likely, like you said, Saints are most top-to-bottom team. But we also saw the Saints fall in the first round to the Vikings last year. So there has to be some blueprint. No team is is bulletproof. What's the way that the Bears pull out this win? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm new to sort of like the Saints fan base and stuff, but I know there's a lot of Saints fans that are nervous. And, I mean, I was shocked to see. You know, there's people that are kind of like what I talk about, Jameis Winston derangement syndrome, where they have Drew Brees derangement syndrome. I didn't think that existed. And there's guys who DM me and stuff and just hate Drew Brees and think he's garbage, and it just blows my mind because the guy's amazing. Um, but, you know, if the Bears can run the ball and, and they can get to Drew, I mean, I guess they have a shot. I just I don't think they're going to score enough points. You know, mm-hmm. the Saints defense, when it plays at the level it can play, they're one of maybe or maybe the best defenses in the NFL. They, they do, you know, there's some games where they kind of don't show up and things of that nature. But when they're on, they're on. And I, and I don't see Trubisky, you know, uh, shredding them in the least. So the Bears, I think, have to keep it, you know, a low-scoring game. They have to try to control the clock. If they try to get into a shootout with, with the Saints, I don't think they have a chance. Um, you know, even though Drew is not a gunslinger anymore, he's, he barely throws the ball, you know, more than six, seven, eight yards uh, in the air. It doesn't matter. You know, he just surgically moves the team down the field, and he almost never makes a mistake. Um, and Trubisky, he has a little bit of gunslinger in him, and it'll take some chances. And so I think the Saints had five interceptions today mm-hmm. against you know a game manager. Teddy Bridgewater is a game manager. He threw two and fumbled twice. And then they benched him and brought in uh, the XFL guy, and he threw three. So I don't I don't see the the Bears really even making a game of it. Although it's possible. I mean, they played this year, and um, they played in Chicago, and the Saints only won by three. So it's possible, but. Um, I'm really interested to see Trubisky. I'm, I'm actually more interested to watch that game for Trubisky than for anybody on the Saints. And that's going to sound weird to everybody who, who knows me, but you know, I'm just all about quarterback play, and I'm all about you know every quarterback you know maximizing their potential and, and getting paid as much as possible. And Mitch is in one of the craziest positions I've seen in many years where it's it's one game. If he plays good in this one game, even in a loss, let alone a win, but if he plays good, He's probably going to get thirty million guaranteed, not not mm. per year, but he's probably going to get a Bridgewater type deal where he gets you know thirty to thirty five million guaranteed. If he doesn't play good, 
Or and even if they win, but he doesn't play good, like he's probably not starting anywhere next year. So I want to see how he responds to that. He, you know, I don't, I don't believe in Mitch like as a franchise quarterback, but he has shown a lot of, of um, you know, kind of like the Rocky gene where he gets knocked down, he gets back up, mm-hmm. and and I'm I'm happy for the kid. You know, they they benched him for Foles, and he's back in the playoffs. So I'm really excited to see what he does. Yeah, I mean. Is there a way, you know, could you make the case that he's he's done it already? Like, what's what's the baseline that you're expecting from Mitch Trubisky in order to be rewarded with a good contract from the Bears or, or whoever else? What is the what is the the just baseline he has to hit playing the Saints? You know, who we all know is like you said one of the best defenses in the league for him to get that contract that that good money, even if it is to be a backup. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if you're just kind of looking for like one stat baseline, I wouldn't say it's anything about yards or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I'd say, you know, if he has a passer rating of 80 or above, he's probably fine. He'll, he'll probably be back. You know, if he's if he's down in the 70s and the 60s, that generally means he's got more picks than touchdowns, um, you know, and, and a low yards per attempt. So that could hurt him. But the best thing for Mitch is that they got into the playoffs because now the Bears don't have a high enough draft pick to get any of those top four guys, I don't mm-hmm. think. And they're not really a great draw in free agency, and there's not a lot of free agent quarterbacks I don't think that they're going to go after anyways. Um, I don't expect that they make a play for Cam or anything like that. So, you know, just getting in the playoffs, I think, helps Mitch a lot. The The interesting thing is, you know, what sort of contract he gets. You know, does he get a Blake Bortles-type extension, a, t- a Teddy Bridgewater-type contract, or do they just sort of say it's it's one year? You know, prove it, we'll give you one year. Um, me, that's all I would do. Uh, I, I actually wouldn't care what he does in this game. If he throws for 450 yards, five touchdowns, and they lose 38-35, I'd still only offer him one year. I, I don't, I don't believe in him enough to to give him multiple years. But um, I'd love to see him do it. I'd love to see him have a great game. I mean, I don't want them to win, but I'd love to see him do it and get paid. Um, you know, and, and maximize his potential because the kid does have talent. You know, he's got some issues with with mechanics and his arm isn't the best and all that, but he does have talent. He can start in the league, and in the right system, he can absolutely be effective. So I do think the Bears are looking to bring him back, um, where, you know, just just a couple months ago, it felt like they were done with him forever. So I'm, I'm happy for the kid. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, he's, he's opened the door for a return, however long that is. We don't know, but yeah, there, there, there are some things to be encouraged with, and, and maybe it's, you know... There are, there are some, some questions at times with Matt Nagy and scheme and, and, and play calling. So maybe, you know, I mean, he doesn't get fired. Matt Nagy doesn't get fired this year. But if Mitch does decide to move on, he's he's got a couple of options, not a ton. You know, obviously, like you said, there are a lot of quarterbacks. Maybe the Bears aren't going after him. That There are a lot of starting quality quarterbacks that are going to be hitting the free agent market. Guys that are going to be available for trade and all that stuff. But yeah, it won't be through the draft unless they really like Mac Jones or Kyle Trask, who they could get in the second round, potentially. But, uh, yeah, so that, that, that'll be an interesting one. Let's talk offensive and defensive rookie of the year. I think there are two clear-cut favorites. If you have, you know, any, any interjections, please let me know. But I think far and above, the best two players uh, from each side of the ball were Justin Herbert and, and Chase Young. I think Chase Young, over the last few weeks especially, uh, solidified him as a leader on that, that uh, Washington front. Obviously, they awarded him with captain, and he's been playing like it. He, he's been continually getting after the quarterback, causing pressure, and—, and I don't think it's an overstatement to say that the Washington football team is in the playoffs because of their defensive line and because of Chase Young. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think he'll he'll win the award. Um, 
I think there's a couple other guys that you know deserve to be mentioned and will probably slot in second and third, and that would be Antoine Winfield mm-hmm. uh, Jr. for the Bucks, who has been magnificent. I mean, that was that was a great drive. He wasn't even their first round pick, so that was an absolute home run uh, for Jason Light and a great pick by them. And then Jeremy Chin uh, in Carolina, but you know Chase, he's the big name. He, he's sort of you know possibly the future face of the NFL on the defensive side of the ball. I heard, you know, tonight they were talking about how he, he's like Ray Lewis in the locker room and things like that. Mm. Um, and, he I mean, he just has Hall of Famer written all over him if he can stay healthy. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think it's his award for sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I absolutely love what he brings to that team. Uh, I mean, this is a this is a motivated front, and they've won. I mean, I think they won the, the 49ers game themselves, you know, with their with their two defensive touchdowns. But 100% agree, Antoine Winfield, great pick for the Bucs. And, Jeremy Chin is a playmaker. I mean, he, you know, he 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 is capable of turning the tide of of games, which is something special, you know, that you you like to see out of out of uh, safeties. If he can work on his pass coverage, I think he's you know going to be up there in the conversation with one of the better safeties in the NFL. But you know, a lot of things to fix. But Justin Herbert, the the Chargers won four games in a row. I really really hope that's not enough to save Anthony Lynn's job because they could easily be ten and six, eleven and five fighting for for a playoff spot if it weren't for some some key blunders in games. And and I know this sounds weird and I I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you something I've been thinking about this weekend, but if I were to be, you know, called upon somehow to be a coach in the NFL, um strictly from my experience and expertise, I like to say not to not to sound like a, a bragger, but in playing Madden, I think I could do a really good job of simply managing the clock. If that was my only job as a coach, in the NFL, to be hired and to say, look, here's the situation. We're calling a timeout here. We're, we're calling a play of the sidelines here. Or, you know, even when, when our defense is on the ball, we're going to call a timeout before the two-minute warning because it saves us two seconds on a play, you know, and, and those could be vital down the stretch. Like, my knowledge there is something that it seems like coaches don't have. And I hate to be that fan that sits back and watches these games and says, I could do that. But I mean, these these clock management decisions, and it's not just Anthony Lynn, but but numerous coaches have made too many to be, you know, at the highest level, as much as they're paid, what they're expected to do, to have these blunders. It just seems weird that, you know, that's the case. And and I don't know if that sounds weird to say I could I could make it as a coach in the NFL, but the decisions they make are, are just dumb at times. You know, they're ones that the average fan can sit and say, I would not do. And they're decisions. It's not, you know, play calling, whatever. It's it's time management decisions down the stretch that they that coaches cannot seem to figure out. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. You know, I know that the easy comeback whenever people say things like that is, "Oh well, you're not a coach, you don't know." No, that's not true. You, you know, there are people that can make better talent evaluations than coaches. There are people that can make better play calls than coaches. There are people that can definitely manage a clock better than coaches. I mean, that that is not a um, you know, that's not something only coaches can do. So, you know, I've thought that. I mean, I'm not a, not a huge Madden guy, but, you know, a lot of the, the coaches, you know, they're old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. a lot of them probably don't play. And I've often thought, you know, I wonder, maybe these guys should play a lot more Madden. Because, yeah, you can learn clock management just through a video game. And, um, yeah, some of his blunders are, are remarkable. Um, I know Andy Reid, you know, had a lot in the past, too. You know, and he makes up for it with his, his offensive wizardry. But, um, you know, I, I don't... I don't like, you know, really calling for anybody's job, but but I'm with you. I mean, if I'm the Chargers and I have Justin Herbert in the fold, mm-hmm. it, it, everyone can see he has Hall of Fame talent. You know, and I talked about that before he was drafted, and I said he was infinitely more talented than Joe Burrow. You know, people killed me for that, but 
everybody can see it. it. It jumps off the tape. You know, on top of that, he's a good kid with a good work ethic. And I think that you've got to make the move now to get the guy that you want in there with him for the long term. You know, because even if you stick with Anthony Lynn because everybody in the organization loves him and he's a great guy, I don't think that they look at him as a 10-year guy. And so just cut the cord. Give Justin what mm-hmm. Justin needs. Do whatever is best for your for your franchise quarterback right now. Well, yeah, and, and not to get too much into, you know, coaching decisions, but strictly from, uh, you know, you see what, what Brian Dable did with Buffalo, revitalizing this Bills offense, making Josh Allen a guy who I can say, without you laughing me off the, the call, that Josh Allen could be an MVP candidate. I know it's, you know, he's, he's not going to win. It's Aaron Rodgers' award, and I get that. But the fact that he's in the conversation is saying something to what he's done, his improvement, but also Brian Dable. Josh Allen was a guy who did not complete over 60% of his passes in any year at any level all the way back to high school. And he's completing 69%. He's led the Bills to a 13-3 and record. And we're talking about them as one of the hottest teams in the NFL. So guys like him, guys like Eric Bieniemy, seem like they make sense for a guy like Justin Herbert. Or, the bottom line, a guy that Justin Herbert connects with uh, and is also you know going to maximize his talents feels like a great fit for me. Yeah, I mean, Dayball has been amazing with, with Josh Allen. And um, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that kind of hates the, the stat completion percentage. I, I just, I hate it. But um, plus minus, you know, for any listener who doesn't know what it is, you know, go to Next Gen and look up the plus minus. Josh Allen's improvement in plus minus from last year to this year is, in, it's insane. I, I've seen guys make a huge jump in completion percentage because you can do that with any quarterback by just giving him easier passes and just reducing his, his um, IAY and CAY, which is, you know, completed air yards and intended air yards and mm-hmm. things like air yards for the sticks. You can do that with anybody. But Josh Allen, he's still slinging. Now, they have reduced it quite a bit, but he's still slinging much more than most quarterbacks are, and yet his plus-minus, which is the best true accuracy stat, it's just made this remarkable jump. I- I've never seen anything like it in studying quarterbacks ever. And um, and I definitely, you know, give a ton of credit to Dayball. Um, I will say, you know, I was talking about this with, with another fellow um, who likes to study quarterbacks, and, and he was talking about, you know, bringing in a guru. And I said, the thing is, you know, teams, they all love these guys. They all love the, the quarterback gurus, and they all kind of want to make that move. But they're a little nervous because they look at them as just that, as quarterback gurus, as as offensive masterminds who may not be leaders of men, who may not be able to galvanize a locker room. And so they sometimes will – they won't make the move. They'll stick with a guy like Anthony Lynn who they trust and who they believe can sort of relate to the entire team. But then your quarterback gets left behind, and and it's it's kind of a catch-22. You know, do you want to maximize your quarterback at the expense of possibly, you know – maybe not being as good defensively, maybe not being able to relate to, to all the players, or do you want to let this Hall of Fame talent and Justin Herbert just go to waste in order to stick with a good locker room guy? Um, so in this case, you know, in this particular case, I'm all for doing what's best for Herbert. Um, you know, for a team like Miami, I, I wouldn't say that. You know, they've, they've got a great defense. Brian Flores is not a quarterback whisperer by any stretch of the imagination, but there's no way I'd move off him. He's an amazing coach. You know, Tua at this stage of his career, he's he's figuring out the game. He's you know, he's just a game manager. He is what Tom Brady was when he was in his first couple of years. He's just a game manager. Um, so I don't think I would never even consider moving off a coach like Brian Flores to go find a quarterback guru for Tua. Mm-hmm. Herbert, though, he's a he's a different he's a different cat. He's a, it's a it's a different ballgame. Yeah, and and looking at that team, the the offensive weapons that they've got, 
Uh, and on the defensive side of the ball, Joey Bosa just drafted Kenneth Murray last year and and Derwin James. I mean, this is this is the Chargers are full of of young talent, and I'm sure any coach would love to take over a team, you know, who won their last four games is, is in line for a nice mid-round first pick uh, and will continue to build from there. But I will say as a as a fan of the Colts, uh, and watching them waste Andrew Luck's career by constantly letting him get beat up, go with the guy who will help your franchise, not the guy who's great in the locker room. I will always love Chuck Pagano, but if we went in another direction, I mean, there's there's Lombardi talk, and I don't think that's crazy, but go go with the guy who helps Herbert, who makes Herbert into a Hall of Fame uh, guy. And, and I know that the blame could be put on Grigson just as much as Pagano, but that's another topic for another day. Don't want to get into it, but we do have... Uh, one last game to talk about is Washington in, in Tampa Bay. Um, I, I mean, they open up. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up here. They open up as Tampa Bay as seven and a half point favorites. Alex Smith obviously has to get healthy. Terry McLaurin played, but wasn't, you know, all the way there as well as Alex Smith. They both played, but I don't know if they were 100% healthy. A lot has to happen. And I think it starts with the, the, the front that I said that got them to the playoffs. Washington has to pressure Tom Brady. I don't know how long Mike Evans is gone, but Antonio Brown might have, might be the, the guy in the playoffs for Tom Brady if, if they continue these numbers. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm nervous for Washington. You know, they're, uh, my heart always goes out to them. They're my dad's favorite team. But it, that defensive line has to get pressure. I don't see any other way around it if they're going to win this game. Yeah, I, I expect the Bucks to just destroy them. Um, I mean, I don't want to say that. Like, it, I, I'm in an interesting place just as a as a – guy rooting you know just to watch the games because i love brady and i'd like to see him you know make a run towards the super bowl uh, and i've never been an alex smith guy at all mm-hmm. and yet you know i can't help but root for alex smith i just can't i mean what he's overcome is amazing you know what ron rivera has overcome is amazing and, and i find myself rooting for washington whenever i watch them um and yet you know i'm i know the guys on tampa a lot more i've studied them more and i've you know been rooting for brady for 20 years so it's, it's going to be an interesting game but I just can't imagine Washington is going to be able to score enough points to, to win the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they can play great defense. Yes, they can, you know, harass Brady. Maybe they'll they'll get him to throw a pick or two. But I just don't see they're going to be able to score enough points. So, um, you know, I think this, this worked out perfect for Tampa. I mean, there's 10 teams in the NFL with either a better record than the Bucks or the same amount of wins. And yet the Bucks have the easiest first-round playoff yeah. matchup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and uh, and then, you know, they're going into Green Bay, and Green Bay just lost their left tackle. That that, that would be their next game. Yeah. So it, it's set up for, for Tampa to make a run. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be sort of pulling for, for both teams. I mean, I, I want to see a good game, but I think it'll get ugly, and I think Tampa will blow them out. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it's a long shot, I think, for Washington – You've got the pieces in place. They're really a quarterback away now. You know, the way that, that this team is set up, I think, get a couple, maybe a couple more uh, pass catchers, but, and maybe, you know, obviously better secondary as well. But uh, they're, they're close. They're very close. And being seven and nine, absolutely had a schedule. What they've done is great. But I'm with you. And what's crazy, I didn't realize this, but, and I know he had a big game today, but Tom Brady threw 40 touchdowns this season. I mean, that's incredible for a guy of his age. You know, I know. And for as much as the media loved to talk about how the, the Bucks were struggling and wherever the blame was, I mean, you know, there were times where Arians put it on Brady. Well, I mean, the way he's turned it up these last few weeks, throwing now 40 touchdowns is is incredible. I mean, shout out to him uh, and, and what the Bucks have been able to do. And I think you're right. They're, they're on their way for a run. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I tweeted out today right after the game, uh, you know, Tom Brady had 43 touchdowns in his 43-year-old season. Mm. That's remarkable. I mean, I hope the media kind of picks up on that tomorrow. You know, 43 in his 43-year-old year. That That's just crazy. Um, you know, and in my little tweet, I said, despite trolls and crazy Bucks fans and media pretending I hate Brady because I love Jameis, you know, the truth is I've loved Tommy since he was a University of Michigan Wolverine. So I'm, I'm super happy for him. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I know, you know, some Bucks fans are a little worried about the Washington matchup just because Washington can get pressure on the quarterback. But I, I just, I don't think it's going to matter. I, I just think Tampa destroys them. Um, you know, the Mike Evans injury, I hated that. I mean, that, that yeah. made me sick to my stomach. I love Mike. Uh, he's a good dude. And he's, you know, this is his seventh year, I believe, in the NFL, and he's never been in the playoffs. And now he might miss the first game. Mm. Uh, he, who knows? He might miss the playoffs. I don't know how serious it is. I know there were people worrying that, that it was an ACL. I don't think so. Um, you know, just from seeing the tape, it looks more like a hyperextension. Uh, I put a couple a couple messages out to some guys on the over there to just to see if I could find anything out, but you know, they don't usually talk about medical stuff, <laughs> mm. but yeah, I, I think Tampa rolls. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's, it's an unfortunate time. And Mike Evans too, shout out to him. Well, shout out to Stephen Che, who I follow on Twitter uh, for, for shouting this, this stat out, but this was his seventh straight season. So since he's coming to the league his rookie year, seventh straight season of a thousand yards receiving or more. I mean, that's, that's incredible for him, you know, to, to be, to be put together with, you know, he's been put together with some great quarterbacks, but he's had to do it himself. You know, you don't get to a thousand yards by accident. So shout out to him. Definitely. That's going to be a big, a big loss for them. Hopefully it's, it's quick and he's back. Um, wishing him all the best, but we've got a couple, couple more awards to talk about here. We'll, we'll put them together. We did talk about it a bit, um, but comeback player of the year, coach of the year. I mean, it's Alex Smith, right? Comeback player of the year. I know it's going to be an emotional decision, but you think about everything he's done. Uh, I think it's what five and one as a starter. Uh, it, it led the team, led the Washington football team back to the playoffs for the first time in, in a couple of years. And, um, you know, not even to mention what he's done with his, you know, there were, there was a moment there where, you know, they, they said he may, he may lose his life, but now he's back playing football. Uh, and his team is, um, I, I guess technically not playing winning football at seven and nine, but are in the playoffs, you know? So it's, I, I think he wins, wins this award running away. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, this, this award is, is, um, it's more of a narrative award, which is fine, you know, but it's more of a narrative award than just based with on-field performance. So I know there's probably some Steeler fans that are mad that Big Ben won't win the award because Big Ben, you know, also had a big comeback and had a much better individual season. But to know what Alex went through and to come back from that, I mean, you know, people were saying that just him taking a snap, he, he got it. You know, to see that he's actually the starting quarterback and got him into the playoffs, yeah, I think he gets every vote. I think he wins it unanimously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then coach of the year. So I'm I'm a Stefanski guy. I think there was a lot of turmoil with this team, and I don't think anybody really expected them to be, you know, even chasing after the division. I know they they lost out on it, but they were they were in the conversation. I think the loss of the Jets does hurt his case a lot. But I mean, shout out to Kevin Stefanski, what he's been able to do. Um, you know, Nick Chubb. He's he's somehow been able to to make Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt work. I know there were questions about, you know, how effective they could be together, but I think it's it's a great tandem, great offensive line. Uh, but but you say Tomlin, which I'm okay with and I understand, but I I, I for some I lean Stefanski a little bit just just in, in what he's had to do and what he's put together this season. 
Oh yeah, no, no. I, I don't. I don't think Tomlin should win Coach of the Year. I just said that going into that playoff game, I would. I trust Tomlin more than Stefanski in the playoffs. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. As, as far as the Coach of the Year, I think four guys probably will get votes. Uh, I mean, there may be a few more, but um, I think Brian Flores will get some votes, even though they missed the playoffs. You know, just the the turnaround that he's done there for the Dolphins. I think he'll get some votes. So I probably think he'll come in fourth. There's two guys. Um, one, I think Sean Payton easily could have won the award. Now, I know Saints fans will say, well, he's never going to win the award because mm-hmm. Roger Goodell hates him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but uh, Payton, to me, you know, he's he's right there. There's Belichick, and then there's there's Sean and Andy Reid. You know, there's, there's tiers of coaches. You know, Belichick's number one, and then right after him, Payton's on that second tier. And I think he easily could have won the coach of the year until the Eagles lost. I, I think that kind of – that ended it. Mm-hmm. Um, Stefanski, that's the way I felt. I, I felt Stefanski then was was going to win Coach of the Year, and then I saw him lose to the Jets, and I was like, he's not even going to get a vote. Mm-hmm. However, they're back in the playoffs. They, you know, they redeemed themselves, and now I'm, I'm with you. I think he actually does win the award. The other guy that I think could win the award, I, I don't know if he will, but playing off the, the narrative thing, and with Alex Smith winning comeback player of the year, it wouldn't shock me if Ron Rivera wins the award. To get Washington in the playoffs, to do it going through cancer, to do it cutting the the top running back you drafted, Darius Geis, and then cutting the top quarterback you drafted, mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins, which people look at as like a culture builder, um, it wouldn't shock me if he won the whole award, but I think he'll definitely get votes. Um, so my vote would go to Stefanski, uh, but it wouldn't shock me if Rivera won it. I think those are the only two guys that have a chance to actually win the award, although I think Peyton and uh, Brian Flores will get some votes. I think also a couple of guys, now that you're talking about it, that'll get some votes. I think Frank Reich will get a couple, just being able to go back into the playoffs with with Phillip Rivers. That was a, a big thing for them. And I also think Sean McDermott's probably going to get some love. You know, the, the Bills went 13-3. and uh, Josh Allen looked great. And, and you know, they're, they're one of the hottest teams in football. But I, I think, I, I didn't think about Ron Rivera, but you're absolutely right. There, there, there's a great case for him, what he's gone through this season. Um, so I, I think that's a, that's a very real possibility. I, I, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, and, and, you know, like you said, they're a quarterback away. I mean, you know, they really are. Just imagine if, if Haskins would have hit, if mm-hmm. Haskins was Herbert. Mm-hmm. I mean, you put Justin Herbert on that team, they would have just run away with the NFC East. Yeah, no, and it's it, it's it's what a season for Washington, absolutely. Um, but, yes, we've got – we still have a lot to talk about here, so much to, to, to get into, and which I'm very excited for. Uh, quarterback carousel. That's that's where we want to start. A lot of moving pieces. I just got the notification that uh, Doug Peterson said he has, quote, the utmost respect for Philly and, quote, trust that they can turn things around. So you, I think you're onto something. I mean, I never doubt you, I, I, you know, but I think you're definitely onto something with this whole benching thing um, and, and trying to say potentially, you know, getting Wentz back in the Philadelphia uniform next season. But the carousel is much bigger than that. That's just one stop on, on what will be an exciting offseason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it, it's probably the thing that I'm most excited for. I know everybody loves the draft, and, and I do too, but, you know, just seeing where quarterbacks go, including the draft quarterbacks, is, is always my favorite thing. Um, so for me, there's 11 teams that will need a new starter next year, and that's a ton. I mean, there's only 32 teams in the league. So you got, you know, over a full third of them, and that's the Jaguars, the Jets, the Falcons, the Panthers, the Cowboys, the Saints, the Colts, the Red, uh, well, sorry, Washington the Bears, the 49ers, and the Patriots. Um, you know, and some of these teams where I say a new quarterback, 
you know, people will say, well, what about Dak? Well, he didn't play, you know, so I'm, I'm just talking about a new, a new QB one as far as compared to the QB one they had at the end of this year. Mm. Um, and I think there's 14 sort of big name quarterbacks that are out there that are going to look for a team. And that's Dak, Jameis Winston, Carson Wentz, Jimmy Garoppolo, Sam Darnold, Mitch Trubisky, Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, and Kyle Trask, you know, the five top quarterbacks in the draft. So you've got 11 teams that need a new starter, and you've got 14 guys that are wanting to start. So somebody's going to be out. Um, so when I'm looking at the carousel, you know, it's, it's just a lot of fun. So I'll, I'll start with the Jaguars. I think it's, it's Trevor Lawrence. You, you're just done. Boom, Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. You know, there's actual people saying now, well, with, with the news that the Jaguars are looking to, to sign Urban Meyer, and if not Urban Meyer, Ryan Day, it must mean they're going for Justin Fields. That that's insane to me. I mean, that would be that that's crazier than saying you know if you, if you had you know say the number twelve pick, do you want to take Jamar Chase or do you take Chris Olave because he's from Ohio State? Like mm-hmm. it doesn't make any difference what school they're from. Um, so I think the Jaguars definitely take Trevor Lawrence no matter who they get as their coach. Um, the Jets at number two is interesting. I know there's a lot of talk. There's people that you know, are dialed into the organization that say that Joe Douglas really likes Sam Darnold and, and absolutely believes in him. And I love Sam Darnold. I mean, I really do. I, I think Sam on almost any other team could be a, a quality quarterback and on a good team uh, like the Niners with Shanahan or, or the Colts with Reich could be a fantastic quarterback. Um, but the problem with is the Jets are nowhere close to being a win-now team. And Sam only has one year left on a cheap rookie deal. The very next year, you're going to have to extend, you know, you're going to give him your, his fifth-year option at 20 some million dollars. That hurts your cap. It, it makes it impossible, really, to build the team that you could build with a guy and a rookie quarterback contract. So, to me, Justin Fields' performance in the Clemson game was like his way of saying, you know, don't even think about keeping Sam Darnold. You better draft me. Mm-hmm. That's how I looked at it. And, um, and I think the Jets draft Justin Fields. I, I think – having him for four years on a cheap rookie deal and allowing yourself to build around him plus getting the pick or picks that Sam Darnold will return, it just makes too much sense. So I've got the Jets uh, drafting Justin Fields number two. The next team up in the quarterback carousel is the Falcons. I think they draft Zach Wilson. Um, I don't think they end up trading Matt Ryan. I, I think they roll with him for another year. and he had, He may start all 16 games next year, and Zach just learns from him. But you don't get that many chances to be this high in the draft. I think they're right now they're the fourth pick. Um, you just don't get that many chances. And what's the alternative? They're going to draft a defensive end. They're going to make their defense a little better, and they're going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. Well, great. You're irrelevant for another three or four years, and then Matt Ryan retires. And No, I think now is the time where they're going to, they're going to jump on a quarterback in the draft, and I think Zach Wilson is that guy, and I think he's, he's a perfect guy to, uh, to replace Matt Ryan going forward. Um, the next team is the Panthers, and right when Teddy Bridgewater signed, I, I kind of got into it with uh, Greg Alman, who's a reporter at The Athletic and was at the Tampa Bay Times, and he was kind of trolling Jameis because Teddy Bridgewater signed with the Panthers. And, um, and I said, listen, by the end of the year, Saints fans will be looking forward to Jameis in 2021, and Panther fans will be calling for a new quarterback. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, Teddy was benched before, and today, in the final game of the season, he's their $63 million guy. They benched him against his former team, the Saints, for an XFLer. Like, I mean, that, 
I was actually upset watching that. You know, I'm, I'm not a Panther fan by any stretch of the imagination. I'm, I'm not a, a Bridgewater fan per se. I mean, like I said, I love all quarterbacks, but I was upset for him. That, that was extremely disrespectful. There, there was just no reason to do that. They were getting beat. It's a game you don't really even want to win anyways. Yes, he was playing bad. He threw two picks and fumbled twice. But they benched him. They brought in the XFL guy who threw three picks. And going into an offseason where Bridgewater is guaranteed some good money. I mean, if they cut him, I think it's a $20 million dead cap hit. So I can't see them doing that. If they trade him, I think it's 10 maybe $14 million. I think $10 million. Um, so it's possible, but I don't think there's a lot of takers out there for Teddy. I just, I thought it was really disrespectful that they benched him today. Um, so, but I think that that's just, I think that was an absolute sign that they do not believe in him as their guy. You know, I, I think he's, he's known to be a really good locker room guy. And I think he can be a perfect bridge quarterback and a mentor. And that's kind of what I look at. I think the Panthers stick with Teddy as a bridge and a mentor, and I think they used their very first pick in the draft, uh, which I don't know what it is right now. What is it, eight? Um, let me let me pull it up and see. I can. I've got it right right here. Oops, I think it's one. eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth. Yeah, they're they're picking eighth. They pick eighth. Eighth, yeah. So um, yeah, I think they they draft Trey Lance, and I think they bridge bring Bridgewater back as a bridge and a mentor, because Trey, a lot of people, you know, they. They rave about his, his talent, but they don't think he's ready. So I think that would be a good situation. I just, even that, you know, I still hate that they benched Bridgewater in the last game. If you're going to bring him back as a bridge quarterback, I, it just felt really disrespectful to me. Um, but that's what I think with them. So so there goes two quarterbacks now that go to one team. Because I had Teddy and Trey in the list, and they're both, I think, going to be with the Panthers next year. Um, the next team up is the Cowboys, and that's another two quarterbacks from the list. I, I think that they franchise tag back again. I don't think they give him a long-term contract. Um, I don't think Dak is willing to give them a discount, and, and I don't blame him. Uh, there's no reason to. So I think Dak is, is holding out for the absolute maximum amount of money he can get. Dallas is not comfortable doing that. So I think they franchise tag him again, and I think they bring Andy Dalton back again. Um, from everything I've heard, he, he's loved it there. Uh, I love the Cowboys organization, and um, and, I, and I know – well, anyway, I won't get into the details, but I, I think he's happy there, and, and I think that Dak and Dalton can both come back next year. Uh, the next team on the list is the Saints. I think they they signed Jameis. Um, you know, Sean Payton gave an interview recently, and he was really clear that Jameis always knew the deal, always knew that if Drew went down, he had already Payton had already promised Taysom that he'd start him, uh, and that the second Drew retires, you know, Jameis has a shot to be the guy. So I don't think. And well, I know for a fact nothing that Peyton's done this year has upset anybody in Jameis's camp. Like this was always the plan. Um, so I, I think the Saints bring Jameis back. The only thing that would sort of derail that would be if another team makes an offer that just sort of blows them away. Because I know Jameis likes New Orleans, um, loves the teammates, loves the coaches, you know, the system, all of that. So, but there are there are other teams that are good fits, particularly the 49ers and the Colts. So we'll see. Um, oh, and, and I'll say on that, too, I know that there's you know some guys in the media that project the Saints to draft a quarterback at the end of the first round. I don't see that happening primarily because it would be a guy like a Kyle Trask who no one there, – there, I mean, there's not a talent evaluator alive that would put Kyle Trask on the level of Jameis Winston as a talent. Mm. So you're spending your top pick on a downgrade. Like, that doesn't make any sense. On top of that – 
the Saints linebacking core is a disaster. Demario Davis is maybe the best linebacker in football, but Quan Alexander might never play again, and if he does, it might not be in a Saints uniform. And Alex Anzalone may, may never play for the Saints again. And their rookie from last year, Zach Bond, didn't really get on the field this year. So to me, you know, linebacker is the obvious choice. Uh, they can also use another corner, another defensive lineman um, to replace pro- probably Sheldon Rankins. Uh, and so to use the first-round pick on a quarterback, or even really any of the first three, first-round, second-round, or third-round picks on a quarterback, that doesn't make a lot of sense for a team that's in win-now mode. Um, okay, so the next one is the Colts. Uh, yeah, I, I penciled in Carson Wentz here. I, I penciled in that the Colts trade for Carson Wentz, but I don't think Philly really wants to trade him. Um and, and so they're they're the team that's kind of up in the air. And I'll get to another team that's up in the air. But if the Colts don't trade for Carson Wentz or can't, I think that they can acquire Sam Darnold. So I think those are the two guys. I think Wentz or Darnold, and I think the Colts would definitely prefer Wentz with the right connection um, and and being more ready to win now, where Sam still needs some some work. But I think Sam can be great in the in the Colts offense. I actually think Sam could step in and, and immediately be better than what Rivers was this year. And I think a lot of people think that's crazy, but if he if they trade for him, don't be shocked if his stats are better than Phillips. Hey, um, and, and coming from a Colts fan, wouldn't shock me either. But sorry, didn't want to didn't want to interrupt you there. But I I think it's it's very possible coming from somebody who's watched Philip Rivers play this season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Sam he's got he's got a better arm. He doesn't have an elite arm, but he's got a better arm than Rivers by by quite a bit. And he's also mobile, you know. And he's he's not a um, and people, you know, rip on him about decision-making and picks and stuff. It's not really the issue. The issue is, is coaching and, and being asked to do too much and not having a run game, et cetera, et cetera. And Indy just being behind that line and with Jonathan Taylor there and with Frank Reich as your play caller, it, it's going to fix a lot of what ails Sam Darnold. Um, the next team is Washington, who, who, you know, you said is a quarterback away, and I agree. The problem for them is, you know, now that they made the playoffs, they're in a tough position because they're not going to be able to grab one of those top four guys. Um, and outside of, you know, like a Cam Newton who, you know, they could have signed already last year and, and totally passed, there's there's just not a lot out there that that I think is going to interest them. Um, and I don't know that if they were to make an offer to Jameis that he'd consider it over the Saints unless, you know, they topped the Saints offer by a lot. So for me – even though I, I have Mac Jones as a second-round prospect, it wouldn't shock me at all to see Washington take him with their pick in the first round. Um, I don't think that they'll they'll want to wait to the second because he could be gone by then. You know, a team like really any team you know before them could could grab him. And I think he's probably the best quarterback to learn from Alex Smith. They're they're very similar. They're both risk averse. They're both. Uh, kind of dink and dunk, you know, game manager type quarterbacks, and Mac's arm is limited. And Alex, I think, would be just the perfect mentor, you know, for him. So I think that could be a great trade for them. Their their biggest need, I think, is probably offensive tackle or, or DB or something like that, but I think they probably spend their first on, on, on Mac Jones. Um, next up is the Bears. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we talked about Trubisky. Um, if they extend Mitch, you know, more than a year, it, it's going to feel a lot like when the Jaguars extended Blake Bortles, at, le- at least to me. Mm. Um, Mitch is better than Bortles was. He is. Um, but 
it, it, that's just what it's going to feel like. It, it's going to feel like they they just sort of uh, said, well, we can't get anybody better. We, we might as well pay this guy. If you're going to do that, I hope they, you know, at least give – well, I don't say I hope because I want everybody paid, but if it were me, I would only give them one year. Um, but I don't know that there's going to be a better option out there. I, I think – I don't think the free agency is going to work out for them. I know that they made a play for Teddy Bridgewater last offseason. And if the if the Panthers are able to draft Zach Wilson or Justin Fields instead of Trey Lance, then I could possibly see them – working out a deal and acquiring Bridgewater. But I don't I don't think that happens. One, I don't think Wilson falls to them, and I definitely don't think Justin Fields falls to them. So um, I also don't think they really should have been interested in Bridgewater because his, his arm is actually much weaker than Mitch's even, uh, and I, I just don't think he'd work in Chicago. So I, I don't think there's many better options. I think the proper play would be to give Mitch a one-year contract and draft a quarterback like Kyle Trask or Desmond Ritter. Um, somebody like that where, you know, you've got the guy, if Mitch pans out, then go ahead and give him a four or five year contract. If he doesn't, you know, maybe your maybe your rookie pans out the, the next year. Um, so the only two teams left. All right. So the 49ers, the 49ers, I think would love to upgrade. Um, you know, Kyle Shanahan even went on the record and talked about it. Um, and he, he even said, you know, he thinks Jimmy will be back, but he can't guarantee it. You know, he's going to look around. You know, he's kind of going to turn over every stone type thing. Um, but when I kind of just look at everything and, and try to predict how things are going to play out, I don't see any better option being available to them. Um, I think Jameis would be a perfect fit in Shanahan's system. I think Wentz would be a fantastic fit in Shanahan's system. I don't think there's really any way that, that the Niners – We'll make a play for Carson, though. I think the salary cap situation is too tricky. I think I don't think they'll want to give up the picks. Um, and with Jameis, same as, as with Washington, I think they'd have to top the the uh, the Saints' offer by a lot um, to get him out of there. So while I think they would dump Jimmy G for for both Jameis and Carson in a heartbeat, I don't think they're going to get those guys. And I think their pick is low enough, or I should say high enough, I guess, to uh, to not be able to get. Uh, any of the top four quarterbacks. So I think they're just kind of stuck with Jimmy G for another year. Um, you know, Mullins and Beathard, they're not really, you know, that that far off Jimmy G anyways. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can bring all three of them back. And if injuries hit again, I mean, you're, you're okay. You know, as long as their defense doesn't get decimated by injuries, um, they should be fine. So I, I think the, the Niners will stick with Jimmy G for one more year and then he's probably gone. And I think they'll also look to draft a quarterback. Um, same guys, Kyle Trask, Desmond Ritter. Yeah, I think the Bears probably grab one, and the Niners probably grab one. And that leaves us with the Patriots. And the only guy left, really, is um, it, that we haven't talked about is Cam. And the Patriots, basically, you know, according to Adam Schefter, they already said they're done with Cam. You know, he's not, he's not coming back. So that report kind of shocked me because it came out like before the game was over it it felt a little disrespectful um also i I don't know what options they have i I mean unless they they already know they can trade for jimmy which would that would surprise me if they already know that but i don't really know what options they have they they don't have a really high pick uh i think they're 15th um so yeah I, i don't know so i i don't think cam's the answer there and the one guy that we talked about, and I, and I only said a maybe on um, if the Colts 
can't get Wentz is Darnold. And so I guess Darnold is who, who I slotted in here um, because I, I can't think of anybody else. I mean, I don't really see the point of just drafting a, a low, low-round rookie and just letting him roll. The Patriots always want to win now. Um, a rookie like that wouldn't be better than what Cam is, and yet they, they say they're done with Cam. So if they can't get Jimmy G, um, I'm going to say that they're, they're going to work out a trade with Darnold. And that's another place where I think Sam will, will automatically resurrect his career with, uh, with Josh McDaniels and Belichick. Um, because I think they'll also be in a better uh, cap situation where they can, they can get some talent around him. Their first-round pick they can probably use on either Kyle Pitts or, or like a Devontae Smith, you know, a, a big-time receiver for him or tight end. So I think the Patriots can, can make a quick jump next year uh, with Darnold or with Jimmy G., but I would pencil Darnold in there. So the two things, well, that leaves Cam. And, and what I will say about Cam, I love Cam Newton. Um, I, I honestly think right now is the perfect time for him to announce his retirement. Uh, mm. It doesn't make me happy to say that, but <clears throat> he was terrible this year. And, and his passing stats were some of the worst, really, in history when you adjust for era. In history. Um, however, in this very last game as a Patriot, he went out. He had 340 total yards, four mm-hmm. touchdowns, no turnovers. He, he played, you know, one of the best games he's played in his life. He even caught a touchdown and ran for like 80 yards. I mean, it was it was a Superman game. It was a turn back the clock Superman game. It would be a perfect time to to retire and to go, you know, take over a talking head show or or go into the booth. I think Cam would be must see TV. I mean, I would I would hire him and fire Skip Bayless or you know any of these guys <laughs> basically. Um, so I, I really I think it's the perfect time for him to retire. I, I don't think that there's any team that's going to offer him a QB one spot. Uh, if he's humble enough to fill a Taysom Hill role, you know I think that could definitely obviously work, and I think it'd be perfect on a team like Tampa or the Chiefs. You know the Chiefs really don't like Mahomes running; they don't want to do sneaks with him. They don't really like him running in the red zone. Cam would just give their offense just another boost, and the Bucks. You know, Brady's completely immobile, and, and Cam would be great in the red zone for them. Um, but I don't think that Cam Newton is going to do that. I don't think he's going to willingly sign on to be Taysom Hill. If he wants to continue playing and believes in his heart that he can start in this league, the two teams I think that could give him a shot are the, the Rams and the Niners. I think both of those coaches are confident enough to, to sign him and to tell their current starters, I don't care if you like it or not. Cam's coming in. We're going to see who, who does what. Also, just knowing in the back of their mind that, well, hey, if Cam doesn't beat out Jimmy or Jared, he's going to be a great red zone threat for us. Because Jimmy and Jared are both immobile and, and really don't bring anything, uh, you know, that dynamic at all to a football team. So I think the the Rams and the Niners, Sean McVay and, uh, and Kyle Shanahan could sort of you know, sort of deceive Cam and say, hey, come on in, you know, we'll, we'll let you compete for the starting job and really in the back of their minds think we've got our taste of hell. Uh, other than that, I think Cam should retire. So that's uh, that, that's basically the quarterback carousel. There, there's two things I think that could happen that could blow all that up. Um, the first, of course, is if the Jets actually stick with Sam Darnold and, and don't draft a quarterback at all. That, you know, that would probably just, be a trickle-down effect. It would send Justin Fields to the Falcons. It would send Zach Wilson to the Panthers. And it would likely allow the 49ers to draft Trey Lance. Um, in that case, I think the 49ers still, though, would stick with Jimmy G for another year and let Trey learn. I think probably whoever drafts Trey Lance will, will stick with their current starter. 
Um, the second thing, and I would kind of love to see it just to see what happens, is if the Dolphins draft a quarterback with their third pick. Mm. I, I love Tua. I'm, I'm rooting hard for that kid, um, and I think he has a great future. I, I, he was bad today, um, you know. But coming into the game, ten touchdowns to two picks, he learned how to be a game manager immediately. And, and yes, it's easy to do. It's, it's much easier to do than, than going out there and, and being asked to carry a team. Um, but still, I mean, he was much better as a rookie than what say Drew Brees was as a rookie. He was much better as a rookie than Drew Brees was in his second year. So two is not somebody to give up on just because he's not he doesn't look like Justin Herbert. But by you know in the same at the same time, the Dolphins are built to win now. I mean it feels weird to say that, but Brian Flores has changed them completely. And had they had a big time quarterback, I mean they could have made a Super Bowl run this year. And if they really believe, you know, if the Jets pass on Justin Fields and they really believe that Justin Fields is their guy or even if the Jets take Fields and they really believe in Zach Wilson, who has, you know, elite arm talent, is mobile, is a, he's, he's sort of a souped-up Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm. And they love Fitz. You know, and had Fitz been available today, I'm sure they would have benched to and put Fitz in. I mean, I think that's a, that, that would have been a no-brainer. Yeah. And Zach Wilson is a much, much, much more talented Ryan Fitzpatrick. So... If the Dolphins do that, if they take uh, if they take Zach at three, that just blows the whole draft up. I mean that that would just cause chaos, and it would be fun to see. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. A lot, of, a lot of unpack, a lot to unpack with this quarterback carousel. But like you said, one move literally blows the whole thing up. So a couple of things I was thinking about as you're laying it out. I love Cam Newton as a Kansas City Chief. I think that would be absolutely incredible. I never thought about it, but. That would be, I mean, I feel like there's a way you spin it to Cam that it makes sense. You know, if you can line him up outside, catch passes, you know, in that Taysom Hill role, if he, you know, if he wants to do it, that would just make what what is probably the league's most exciting offense even more exciting if you throw him in there. And and this was the game for him to have to really, you know, prove to, to teams that he can still do it or go out on top, like you said. Um, and then a couple other things, I was thinking about it. Washington, I feel like with their offensive line not being the best, a lot of their best players getting older, it doesn't make sense to go for a guy like Mac Jones who does have you know the, the limited mobility. I, 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 and I don't know if there are enough passing weapons to, to make it worth it. I mean, you look at the, the game that they played against Notre Dame. Sure, his, his numbers looked great, but Devontae Smith made up 50% of all you know the, all the meaningful, meaningful numbers, and, and that just shows how, how special he is um, out there. So I feel like Mac Jones, tell me if you think this is crazy. Mac Jones to the Patriots, right? It seems like that's the type of guy that Bill Belichick could get with their with their draft pick, but also a guy that 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 he could use, you know, and that may be the best option. Maybe Sam Darnold, but but also also Mac Jones, considering, you know, they wouldn't have to go out and, and, and trade for him and get the right price. Is is that is that a weird thought? No, no. I, I mean I really like the fit and I and I think the Patriots would draft Mac in the second round. The only thing is, I think a team probably drafts him quicker. You know, I don't think Bill will take him. Uh, what are the Patriots right now? I think they're the 15th, 15th pick. I, I don't yeah. think he'll. Yeah, I just don't think he'll take him that high. He, he's a stickler for you know getting value and stuff like that. So I don't think he'll take him at 15. And I think you know in his mind he'll be like, yeah, we'll definitely take him in a second. But I think another team jumps in front of him. And I do agree with you with Washington. I think a, a more mobile quarterback would be good for them. I just I don't know that there's anybody in the draft that they would feel confident getting. Um, you know, the, the more mobile guys are, are even lower picks um, and more prospects. 
I think they'd love to get like a Trey Lance, but I don't think he falls that far. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I think they could make a play for Jameis. I think they could try to make a trade for Wentz, but just get shut down. I don't think Philly will trade him in division. So it's interesting because they are they're built to win now. They're ready. They just need a quarterback. Yeah, and and we've seen the rise with these QB two guys, and you mentioned him, Desmond Ritter. I feel like right now it makes sense for a team maybe in the in the back half of the first or in the second to go after a guy like Ritter to fit that QB two role. I mean, there there are a lot of teams that we've seen it pop up. You know, they, the Saints really got it going with with Taysom Hill, but the the Eagles used it with Jalen Hurts. The Colts have been incredibly effective. You know, converting third and short, fourth and short situations with Jacoby Brissett as QB two, and if Cam Newton hits the market, I mean, the rise of the QB two is becoming more and more popular. And I think a guy like Desmond Ritter, you know, maybe he turns into a, an, a, an average or to above average NFL quarterback. But that QB2 role right now seems to really make a lot of sense. And if I'm a team that, you know, doesn't have the most mobile quarterback, maybe I'm looking at him early first, late, uh, late first, early second. Yeah. And, you know, not a lot of not a lot of uh, mock draft guys and stuff like that are talking about this. But honestly, I think COVID plays into it. I don't think COVID's really going anywhere. Uh, even, you know, there's a lot of people who think it should and just think that the, the league shouldn't take it as seriously as it does, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think it's going anywhere. I think next year, you know, you're going to see the same thing where you've got full rooms of players, you know, whether it's a running back room or wide receiver or whatever. You may have a quarterback room like the Broncos had this year. And that backup quarterback is going to be even more important than ever before. And if you can get a guy that can also fill in and do some things, even just come in in packages like you're talking about, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world to spend a first-round pick on them over a running back. <laughs> you know, people wonder, you know, oh, they, they stumped for the running back. But, you know, I love Delvin Cook. That, that's my guy and has been for years. But, you know, everybody go watch that Vikings game from today. You know, three guys filled in for him, Madison, Abdullah, and uh, Boone, I think. Mm. They put up monster numbers. It was like Dalvin wasn't missed at all. And I love Dalvin Cook. But they put up like 180 yards and three touchdowns, rushing and receiving. And a, a, a backup quarterback that can that can also come in on packages, I think it has a lot more value now in the time of COVID and, and moving forward than it ever did before. And even just in this modern NFL, you know, the way teams are using people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's we're seeing a, a unique, more and more unique kind of play calling play style with a, a lot of different packages, you know, and, and COVID just enhances that. Absolutely. All right. So before we go, uh, we were talking about this a little bit. We're going to do the mock draft of the top 10 picks. So I know you've got your picks. I went through it and, and, and looked at the updated draft now that it's final, at least the top 10 picks and, and made some of my own. So we can go back and forth if you like. I think we're going to be pretty similar on a lot of these picks, but we you know, we may go different in a, in a few areas. So number one, for me, Trevor Lawrence, easy. Obviously, you know, book it. That's it. Um, I'm assuming you feel the same way. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, in, in my mind, Trevor Lawrence is the greatest quarterback prospect in football history. Um, I, I had posted that on Pro Football Talk and, and got into it with some guys, and they really wanted to get into it, you know, how I could possibly think that. And I said, you know, there's four guys that most evaluators would give you. John Elway, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, Trevor Lawrence. Those are the four guys mm-hmm. most people would talk about as, like, the greatest prospects. Lawrence blows them all away in athleticism. Elway would be second, but he blows them away. Elway is, has, the best, has the biggest arm. But Trevor Lawrence's is much bigger than Peyton Manning's, and it's quite a bit bigger than Andrew Lux was. Um, and then as far as arm talent, there's a lot more than, that, than arm strength that goes into it. And then you also put in 
you know, resume. You know, John Elway didn't do anything in college. You know, he was kind of like a, like a Josh Allen. You know, Peyton Manning, he spent four years in college, but the, the, the narrative around him was that he collapsed in big games and he couldn't beat Florida, blah, 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 blah. You know, and Andrew Luck, he kind of resurrected with Harbaugh that program, but he didn't have anywhere near the success of, of Lawrence, who's an actual phenom. You know, he was number one coming out of high school. You know, he's the young young Heisman winner, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, in my mind, Lawrence is the, the greatest quarterback prospect in NFL history when you combine everything. So two things. First off, the first three guys you mentioned, all drafted by the Colts. Uh, just thought that was that was interesting. Uh, not not saying any Trevor Lawrence to the Colts rumors, but if it happened, I'm not mad. Not that it would ever happen. Um, but also, unre- actually, now I have three things unrelated. Uh, the Colts now have to play in a division with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, who are two of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, coming in right away. And um, finally, the third thing: I love people that that are big football fans but don't watch any college whatsoever. And they come to me and they say, how can Trevor Lawrence, how can they project, you know, that he's going to be the greatest ever? Like there are plenty of guys that have busted before, but like you said, nobody evaluated guys at the level they did Elway, Manning, Luck, right? Like, like that hasn't happened before. And all three of those guys hit. If Andrew Luck plays the rest of his career, he's a hall of famer. The first two are hall of famers. So it's not like people are saying, you know, it's not just another first round pick, but it's a guy that evaluators are coming together and saying, this guy's the best thing I've seen since Luck. This guy's the best thing I've seen since Manning, since Elway. All three of those guys are Hall of Fame talents. Um, and obviously, Andrew Luck didn't play. I don't think he had a long enough career to get there, career to get there. But that's how special he is. I'm I'm in agreement with you. I mean, obviously, I, I I'm not a guy that evaluated Luck, Manning, and, and Elway. But if people that are smarter than me are saying that he's in that class, and and you know, people like yourself are saying that he's better than. I mean, that's it, really. Like, there, you know, uh, anything other than injuries are, are, are going to be the one that thing that takes him away. Um, but yeah, yeah, and and so many people, you know, they they don't even really know how to view quarterbacks in college or or project or translate, you know, to the pros. Um, they just sort of look at stats because you can kind of do that on the NFL NFL level. College is entirely different. Quarterback stats in college don't really mean anything. Like anything at all. Um, like I said, John Elway's stats were garbage. Josh Allen's stats were garbage. Um, you go look at a guy like Colt Brennan at Hawaii, who looked like God as far as, mm-hmm. he, I mean, he looked like God on a football field if you just look at his stats. Even guys like Colt McCoy and, and, and players like this, there's so many players in college that put up these absurd stats that a scout and a talent evaluator can look at and say, well, they don't even belong in the NFL. And then fans get really mad and they get all upset because they don't know. They, they just are staring at a stat sheet and they don't understand. Um, so I've gotten into it with people about Trevor Lawrence and, you know, they'll, they'll pick at, at a specific thing, you know, his completion percentage, or they'll say he's not as athletic as Justin Fields or something like that. And it's like, you don't really even understand what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, you have to evaluate the full quarterback and you have to sort of project forward into other systems. And you have to realize that all stats are not equal and all systems are not equal. And there are extremely limited quarterbacks that can put up godlike stats in the right system. And there's quarterbacks that are infinitely better than them who have garbage stats because they're in pro-style offenses with bad wide receivers. So, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is, is an amazing prospect. And, you know, I hope there's not a single Jaguar fan that's booing if he gets drafted and says, well, Justin Fields beat him in, in the big game. I mean, that's, that's insanity. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence's defense also allowed Justin Fields to beat him in the big game. You know that it's a it's a selective memory, absolutely. Yeah, I've been I've been reading this book, uh, "Take Your Eye Off the Ball," 
talking a lot about, you know, how to, how to view these positions. And there was a quote in here from Dan Marino, uh, which I thought was a, was a very interesting one. He said that, you know, if he's, if he's a, a guy that works out quarterbacks for his team, he'd have him throw 100 throws off of his back foot, you know, kind of see how, see how he does um, on the, on the uh, throws that you're not normally going to make and if the offense goes well. Uh, and so I think that proves your point exactly to where you can't just say, well, this guy threw, you know, 40 touchdowns in a season. Well, you know, did the off look at Dwayne Haskins? He threw 50. But is the offense the thing that's that's setting him up for success or the guys around him helping him, you know, achieve that greatness? Or is it, you know, the throws he's making himself? So it, it truly is um, like what do they call it? Box score scouting. I feel like I'm I'm some I'm sometimes liable to do this, you know, at, at any given moment. But absolutely, it's something that you have to avoid when when looking at talent yeah yeah i mean i was watching the the ohio state clemson game with my son my my younger son and um lawrence had a throw there it was i think it was in the first quarter and it got him down to like the two yard line where he literally looked like he was shooting a fadeaway in basketball he was falling backwards off his back foot flipped it with his wrist and it went about 35 yards and my little boy, he's like, Dad, did you see that pass? That's the pass. That's the pass. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, son, you get it. You know, and he, He's a little kid, but I was like, yeah, you get it. That that was a pass that translates to the NFL, not, you know, a three-yard screen pass that turns into a 60-yard touchdown, and then people say, he threw a 60-yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. I, I, I love that. That's such, a, that's such a great story. I mean, it reminds me, we'll talk about him in a little bit, but I was watching Zach Wilson play Boise State. And there were there were just a couple of these plays where it's like one of them, his receiver didn't even catch the ball. You know, that's not going to show up on the stat sheet. But he he rolled right. He was able to keep his eyes downfield uh, and, and and threw a great ball that didn't get catch, you know. And, and so that's just another example there of, you know, th- things that almost worked out that you want in a guy, but but aren't going to show up on the stat sheet. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, you can you can see talent in incompletions uh, better than touchdowns many times. You know, and fans will never get that a lot of times because they, they are looking at the box scores. Um, but yeah, that's I, I know the throw you're talking about. That that was uh, that was a great one. <laughs> All right, so number two, I think we're in the same boat here. I love, I do love Zach Wilson, and I, I think that you could make the case for him to be the number two quarterback and number two overall player off the board here on the Jets, but. Justin Fields in the big game, you know, like that, that's going to carry over, um, especially for an organization who's desperate to uh, get rid of their two and 14 season, already fired their coach looking for a fresh start. So that's Justin Fields, right? And and I feel like the pick, the pick is great still, but part of it has to be you're appeasing the, the fan base um, who, who wants a, a winner. Is that wrong to say? I mean, I, I think that's the pick they're going to go with. Maybe the reasons aren't you know, because they truly believe that Justin Fields is far and above the best quarterback, but because he's a winner, he got it done on the big stage, and he beat Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, and 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 I kind of agree with you. You know that sadly that is the case a lot of times for teams where you know the owner sort of interjects himself, um, and Woody has been known to do that. You know, for the Jets, anyways, in the past. Um, you know, I hope that they they fully believe in Justin Fields because. From everything I know, and I, I've been following him since high school, um, you know, talk to people related and, and things like that. He, he's a great kid with a great work ethic, um, uh, you know, a good leader, and he does have all the talent to be a star in the NFL. He's, he's not on Lawrence's level as a prospect, but he has all the talent, talent necessary to, to star in the, right, in the right system in the NFL. So I hope they're fully behind him, and, and I think that's the right pick. You know, and I'm saying that as a guy who loves Sam Darnold, but, 
you know, Justin Fields on a four-year cheap rookie deal, I think is just too good to pass up. And while Zach Wilson, you know, impressed me a lot this year, just the fact that he, he doesn't, he hasn't played, you know, the big time competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and that worries me, you know, and then you, you re, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have any sources uh, to Zach Wilson at all. I'm trying to, to get a couple at the moment. Um, but, you know, because I've read some of these reports about him being a bratty little yeah, kid and yeah. being entitled and blah, blah, blah. And when I read those, it, to me, it just read as that's coming from a team that actually wants to draft him. And they're hoping that he slides in the draft mm-hmm. because that's the kind of garbage that comes out. And so I'm actually looking for a couple sources to, to, to really figure out, you know, what Zach's like. Because um, I don't buy reports like that unless I hear an anonymous source. That doesn't mean anything to me. Um, you know, and I'm somebody that uses them, sure. You know, if you have an anonymous source, fine. But. I want to know who my source is before I'm going to believe that. Yeah, well, and I, and I follow Zach Wilson on Twitter, too. And it was like, once that report came out, there were coaches, players, like everybody came out of the woodworks. And it's like, no, nah, Zach Wilson is one of the most hardworking, passionate leaders we have on this team. We love him. We go to war for him any day. And I mean, it, it's it, that to me said more than what that anonymous report said. Because it's one thing to just say, you know, that's not true. But to have so many people, so many coaches, players, all that come out in support of him really proves the opposite. So maybe it did have a negative effect because for me, now I believe, you know, what, what they're saying about Zach Wilson more than uh, what, what the, the, the real sort, you know, not the non-anonymous sources, what the, the coaches and players are saying for him than what some guy said, you know, who you're right, probably did want to draft Zach Wilson and hoped he would slide. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I really, when I read that report, I thought, that's coming from either the Falcons or the Panthers. That was like my initial thought mm-hmm. was that, you know, the Falcons and the Panthers, one of those teams, or maybe even both, they want him and they're hoping that, you know, the Jets take fields or that, you know, he, he's, he's still there. Um, yeah, because it just – anytime rumors start flying at draft season, you really never can trust them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but sometimes, you know, they do get, they do get uh, confirmed. Um, I mean, a lot of this stuff came out about Rosen – you know, and then there were some people that stood up for him, but then there were also some people that kind of confirmed him. And I remember talking with another uh, kind of quarterback guru about it, and I was like, "Yeah, I just I'm not big on Josh Rosen." <laughs> and he's like, "Well, why?" And I said, "I just think there's too much smoke. You know, where there's smoke, there's fire. I just think there's a little bit too much smoke mm-hmm. with that kid." And um, and this guy was super high on Rosen, and I was just like, "Yeah, I, I just I don't I don't think I draft him." You know, and then when he when he drafted or when he got drafted and said all these other teams passing me, I'm gonna make him miss. But I don't know. I mean, I hope the best for for Rosen, but um, I don't get the same feel from Zach Wilson, you know, and people don't like to talk, you know, um, sort of politics or religion, but, you know, some people even think I kind of have a bias against Mormonism and stuff like that because I'm an Orthodox (laughs) Christian theologian, but... But when I read that, too, it, it did just kind of immediately made me wonder, I wonder if the dude's anti-Mormon, because there's mm. a lot of them out there, and I don't care if Zach Wilson's from BYU. I don't care where he's from. I mean, the kid can play, and you can see it, and you can see his teammates love him. So, yeah, I mean, I just think the, the report was really unfair, and, and I think, it, I think it, it is. They're just trying to make him slide in the draft. So I, I hope he goes to a, to a team that really, truly believes in him, too, and, and it's not a, a Josh Rosen situation where, you know, they get him in for a year and then the next year he's out. Yeah, and, and I have a feeling we're going to be talking about Zach Wilson here in our, in our top 10 uh, mock draft here a little bit soon. But number three, Miami Dolphins. I mean, Austin Jackson hasn't given the Dolphins enough of an assurance that, that they really can be the, uh, that he can be the left tackle of the future. 
Uh, also, they're getting this pick by way of Houston, who they, they traded Laramie Tunzel to just a couple of years ago. That's working out really well. I don't think they expected to be drafting in the top three because of it. But I think they take um, what will eventually be their, their, their left tackle of the future in Penny Sewell. I think it's too good to pass up. I think maybe they listen to offers. You know, the Cincinnati may want to move up because that's a guy that, you know, left tackle and offensive line in general is a spot that they really need um, and, and maybe get some more picks. But you don't get a ton of top end talent. Uh, you know, the, the premier positions, left tackle is one of the most positions, most important positions in football outside of the quarterback. Uh, and I know you, you hinted at maybe they go quarterback, but I think they go left tackle here. How are you feeling about that? Well, I love the pick. I mean, if, if they're going to stick with Tua, which you know, personally I, I kind of would like to see. Mm -hmm. um, I believe in Tua. And, and I love the pick if they're going to do that. I just kind of have a feeling the way that I have it have it mocked for myself, um, I do have a feeling that the Bengals are going to jump up and, and they're going to trade from three to five. Mm -hmm. And the Bengals are, are going to move up there. Um, you know, just the, the added impetus of, of uh, Joe Burrow's injury. Um, and the Dolphins, you know, they're – I agree with you. I mean, I think Sewell would be a great fit. But um, so for me, I had, I, I guess we agree in that I have Sewell going third, uh, but I just have him going to the Bengals third. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and that's fair. I, I, I think that's that's so true in terms of they desperately need that offensive tackle help. And that's something, I've got this phrase that I say, I talked about it with the Cardinals and Kyler Murray, and I talked about it with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. It's it's drafting a quarterback and expecting him to transform your your offense without a good offensive line is putting is like putting a bandaid on a broken leg. Like you know, you're gonna need to take some steps and, and get some care for it. And I think we saw that this season with the Cardinals. Obviously, we saw it with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Um, so I'm I'm all for it. Um, I was just scared to do any trades, so I didn't have trades coming up. But if you had to, you know, if you're betting on a on a team to trade up to get a guy, I mean, outside of maybe some of the teams looking for a quarterback, Bengals to three seems pretty safe. All right, so number four, I think it's Zach Wilson. I think you're right. Atlanta uh, is needing a quarterback. I think they're they're you know there's so many holes on this team too, and they're they're not getting any younger. You know, the only reliable guy I think they have moving forward on both sides of the ball is Calvin Ridley. So I also would hate if you know if they don't absolutely love Zach Wilson, call a couple of teams. You know, see if Carolina wants to move up. I think Denver could be in the market for a quarterback and say, look, what do you guys want? If it's good enough trade back and still get some decent pieces. You know, I think there's going to be guys uh, like like Quiddy Pay that's going to be available. Micah Parsons might fall into the back uh, back end of the uh, the top 10. But I think Zach Wilson is the pick if they stay at four. Anything other than that just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think they stay put and um, and they draft Zach. Um, you know, they're, they're not built to win now, but I, I think they also won't really be able to trade Ryan for for anything that he's worth. And I think they'll, I think they have a lot of respect for him in the organization and sort of view him as the, as the Falcons goat, you know, player. So, mm -hmm. um, even though for me, it'd be Dion, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think they, they take Zach and they let him learn from Matt Ryan. Um, but I think, you know, next year they're probably not going to be good either. And so Zach will be starting by the end of the year because the fans will be calling for him. Yeah, no, and, and I'm excited for him. I think, I think he's, he and, and Calvin Ridley are going to do some good things. And I, I think he's just got a good, uh, you know, just a, a good vibe. And I know that's, you know, a terrible phrase to use in, in terms of a scouting term. But Zach Wilson's been through the ringer. BYU is not a, a, a great program. 
uh, per se in terms of, you know, they're not in the top 25 every year, but he, he's taken his lumps. You know, he's gotten this team to the next level. And I think he's he's the guy you want to build your franchise around, at, at least from what I've seen. Uh, and, you know, what, what I've heard from from some of these players that have come out, at least publicly, you know, to to support him. Uh, but well, yeah, and, and I and I would say too about you know the whole like Mormon quarterback Braddy thing, you know there was another guy that came out of BYU who was uh, kind of hated by scouts and by people, Jim McMahon. Mm. Uh, his teammates loved him and he won a Super Bowl with the Bears. So so yeah, I mean I'm all for uh, you know Zach coming in and and uh, carrying a team. You know if he could do it, it'd be great. All right, so number five. So number five here is you're picking for Miami. I'm picking for the Bengals. Now I know I said all this about the offensive tackle, and I know Rashawn Slater in, in some in some camps, a lot of guys that are smarter than me at evaluating offensive tackle talent say that the, the difference between Sewell and Slater is pretty close. But I'm not saying I would I would take Slater if I was the GM of the Bengals, I would a thousand percent percent take Slater. But if you don't get Sewell, maybe if you're not sold on Slater, it, it sounds bad to say, but I think this is what the Bengals are going to do at five unless they trade up. They're going to pair uh, Joe Burrow with probably his favorite target at LSU and go and get Jamar Chase. I wouldn't do it myself, but I think they say, look, if we can't get you a, a top-end uh, offensive tackle, maybe they do something in the free agency to address it. Why not give you you know, a, another guy you can throw the ball to? <laughs> we, well, we've got, we've got the same pick again, just a different team. I've, I've got the, <laughs> uh, the Dolphins trading down to five and them taking Jamar Chase. Um, you know, I, I think the Dolphins just, they lack playmakers, you mm-hmm. know, to a lot of, you know, what Tua's issues were. It isn't just that, yeah, I mean, people think that he's got this weak arm now and stuff because they're looking at his, his air yards and things like that. He doesn't have a weak arm. He, he's got a, a quality NFL arm. There's nothing wrong with his arm. Um, he doesn't have playmakers and he's coming from a college all-star team where he was throwing to wide open dudes all the time. And in his mind, that's the throw you make. You get your receivers open, mm-hmm. you hit them, and, and there you go. And that's not the way the NFL works, and it's definitely not the way the NFL works when you don't have legit playmakers. And so in Tua's mind, you know, I, I don't think he – he's seeing everything develop in front of him, and he's like, nope, not him, not him, not him, not him. And by that time, he's getting sacked or whatever. And so he's not throwing many picks, but he's also not moving the ball. Um, you give him some playmakers, and you let him understand the NFL game, and you let him understand, you know, when to throw – and 50-50 balls are okay sometimes and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got the top five exactly except, you know, from three to five switch. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I promise we didn't talk about this beforehand. This is all just, you know, going going with the flow. We've got our own separate list. But we'll, we'll see how long this continues. Okay, so num- <laughs> number six, got the Philadelphia Eagles. And the last two years in the top 64 picks, the Eagles were so close to drafting what would have been a difference maker at wide receiver. They were a pick they picked Jalen Rager, and the next pick was Justin Jefferson, who set the the rookie record this year was was by far you know at least through year one the best receiver in this class. Uh, and then last season they went JJ Arthago Whiteside. Just a couple picks later, happened to be DK Metcalf, which you know it, he 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 causes a lot of division in terms of where he ranks in terms of great receivers. But he's better than JJ Arthago Whiteside. I think you can absolutely say. So as much as I don't like this. Because, you know, I, you, you want to go after these premier positions, and I think there are a lot of holes for the Philadelphia Eagles. You look at wide receiver targets, uh, not a lot of, of, of good crowd. I mean, Jalen Rager's got time. Ortega Whiteside could turn out to be something. But to get the guy who I think is going to win the Heisman will be an instant game changer in this offense. I think the Eagles go Devontae Smith, and it will be their third wide receiver picked 
in the top 60 picks over the last three years. Uh, even though they have so many other holes every, everywhere else, they could go a ton of different directions. Who knows what they're doing at quarterback, but they will get Devontae Smith, wide receiver from Alabama. All right, well, we finally differ. We finally differ. <laughs> um, I like the pick. I like the pick. I love the player. Um, I, so when I did the quarterback carousel, I had I had the Colts making the move for, for Wentz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I did that, that sort of changes my thinking on the draft, too. Um, I want to say it was it was two years ago, uh, and I, I can't remember. I wrote it for, for some outlet online, um, and I did a full mock draft, and, and I compared uh, my mocks with – it was Mike Mayock and um, – who's the helmet-headed fella? Uh, Mel Kuyper. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I couldn't think of his name, but I thought of him as hair. Uh, <laughs> um, but I did my mocks with them. And you know a lot, of, and a lot of other people. They were picking the Cowboys to draft a wide receiver then. Now maybe they should have then, and, and not drafted CD this last year and went with defense. But I said, you know, Dak is a game manager. They're, they they don't believe in him like that, and they're not going to draft a wide receiver because of that. They're going to go linebacker, and that was the year they drafted Leighton Vanderesh. Mm. Um, and that's kind of what I'm because I had Carson Wentz getting traded to the Colts. I don't think that the, the Eagles view Hurts as a, as a gunslinger. I think they view him as more of a, a dual threat, even run first quarterback. I mean, he's not going to run more than pass. But So I just I don't know if they're going to prioritize the wide receivers. Kind of like, um, you know, like uh, I want to say the, the Titans early on with Mariota, they didn't really mm-hmm. prioritize wide receivers. They just ran. Um, and because of that, at six, I've got them picking a, a kid from the state, Michael Parsons from Penn State. Um, their defense is a, is a disaster. I think he could fit right in. Devin White, you know, showed last year that a lot of people are scared to take linebackers that early, but but Devin White came in and, and helped change Tampa's defense. Um, I was sad he missed this last game because you look at his stats, he was putting up a monster year, mm-hmm. and I really liked that kid. I loved it when they drafted him. Um, so, yeah, I've got the, the Eagles going Michael Parsons at six. Yeah, no, I, I like that move. I think Michael Parsons is going to find his way. Uh, you know, into some team in this top 10, just because he is the best linebacker in this class. And you're right. Uh, Devin White is, is turning heads about, you know, how valuable a linebacker can be. Uh, but number seven, Detroit Lions. I think if, if Matt Stafford gets traded, this becomes a more interesting pick. Maybe, you know, maybe they hold on to him and, and go after his eventual replacement in Trey Lance. But this is where I have Micah Parsons going. I think Detroit can use a, a nice linebacker. And I think Early prediction, I think Robert Sala, he's got ties to Michigan. I think he's the next Detroit head coach. Uh, and and he his first pick or, or you know, with, with that front office is going to be a defensive guy because I think that's that's the type of guy that that, that Robert Sala uh, wants in his offense and I, or in his defense. And and I think that's the, the pick that they roll with. But I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Lance goes at seven. Okay. Uh, I like your uh, I like your reasoning behind it, especially if that's the, the head coach they go with. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um as far as the Lance thing, I mean, maybe that's that. I just I don't trust anything about the Lions organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the team you know I was taught to root for as a kid. You know I went to a ton of games, saw Barry Sanders play a ton of games in person. You know met Barry and blah blah. I, I just no, I just don't like anything about their organization. Yeah, um, I, I I could tell by the way you use the phrase "taught" and not you know <laughs> "did love them." You were taught to love them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty quick where I was I was rooting for the Cowboys against them when I went and saw the game. <laughs> um, but uh, okay, so for that, and also you know, just with Stafford, he, 
he's a guy that I've studied for a long time. Uh, not not going all the way back to high school, but going all the way back to uh, early on in his career at Georgia. Um, and he has Hall of Fame talent. He's the best quarterback they've ever had. Um, his cap situation is a little bit tricky. I, I don't think that they, they go quarterback this year. Um, in fact, they're, they're sort of in trouble um, with their wide receiver core. Um, they could lose Kenny Galladay, mm. uh, and if they do, they're in huge trouble. Even, even if they bring him back, they, they could use some help. So we have another change, and we even have a change sort of now in the, uh, in the projected draft order of the same position because I've got the Lions at seven going Jalen Waddle over Devontae Smith. Mm. Um, for me, Waddle's a better prospect, even though Devontae's got better production. Um, and with Matt's elite arm, uh, I think Waddle will take the top off the defense and allow DeAndre Swift and the running backs to work, allow TJ Hawkinson to get open more. So, yeah, I like Waddle to the, to the Lions at seven, but you know, I don't really have much doubt that Detroit will figure out a way to ruin his career too. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I love that pick. I mean, these wide receivers, it, it feels reminiscent, maybe not just from a from a talent standpoint, but of last year's class. It was these top three, and you could shake them any way you want. I don't know if many people had Ruggs as their wide receiver one, but he ended up going wide receiver one. You know, so it's I think the, these top three guys are, are are very close in terms of talent. And it's like uh, it's like what Daniel Jeremiah says, talking about like you know it's depends on it's like flavors of ice cream. Everybody's got one, um, and and all three of those guys bring something different to the table. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's um, you know, a lot of people they'll they'll look at say like uh, Pro Football Network mock draft simulator or um, you know, the Draft Network, uh, my guy JC Cornell, you know, stuff like that, and they'll just look and they'll say, okay, well that's the third quarterback or that's the second quarterback. All these teams have their own boards and they can be completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, watching Mike Mayock, who's a guy I respect, and I think he's a he's a he's a good talent evaluator. Um, I've had some issues over the years with some of his quarterback stuff, but seeing him draft Cleveland Farrell as high as he did, that blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I didn't have him going anywhere near that, um, but Mike did, and, and Gruden did, and I mean, you know, he he did pretty solid as a rookie. So, yeah, I mean, you just never know. And like you bring up Henry Ruggs, I mean, I think Henry Ruggs could have blown up on another team. That kid's. That kid's talent and speed and everything is ridiculous, mm-hmm. um, you know. But the Raiders are more run first, and Derek Carr is a lot more conservative. And you know, he didn't have a great rookie year, but he, he's got all the talent in the world. He, he, you know, had he gone to the Lions with Matt Stafford, I think his, his rookie year would have looked entirely different. Mm. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's very interesting to see how this will shape out because it really is, you know, it's equal parts talent and, and opportunity. You know, I, I think if Jerry Judy wasn't catching passes from. From Drew Locke, we see, you know, maybe a, a different rookie season from him. Um, but, you know, a guy like Justin Jefferson being able to, to catch passes from Kirk Cousins, who is, you know, an average to above average quarterback. But because he got that opportunity, because he was throwing his way, I mean, look at the season he had. You know, it, it was great. So it, it really is. I always love seeing how, how you know, the, the teams use the guys that they're, that they're given. Um, and, and that's really what goes a long way into determining how the beginning of their career goes and how most of their career shapes out. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a great, that's a great point that a, that a lot of fans really should think about because they'll give up on players so quick or they'll overhype players so quick. Um, people shouldn't get it twisted. Jerry Judy is better than Justin Jefferson. I, I was all, all in favor of Justin Jefferson being a first round pick, but I know a lot of guys, a lot of scouts and stuff that had him in the second round. But Jerry Judy's a better football player. He's a better route runner. He, he's better, period. Um, and if you flip the situations, 
add 5% or whatever to Justin Jefferson's numbers, that's Jerry Judy. And take mm-hmm. 5% away from Judy's numbers, and that's Justin Jefferson. And yet fans will just look and be like, oh, Jerry Judy was a bust. Justin Jefferson, that's who they should have drafted. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, well, and and to go back to this book I was reading, because I know I'm going to be talking about this a lot for people that are listening to the podcast. I mean, there's, there's some great nuggets in here. But you talk about even something as simple as uh, a 4-3, or 3-4 defense. You know, the guy that you want in that three spot, the D tackle, is way different than what you're going to be asking from a guy from the two defensive tackles in a 4-3, right? Like the, you want a guy in the middle to just soak up blocks and, and a guy that's tall enough to bat down passes and, and just absorb uh, hits, you know, absorb the offensive line. Whereas, you know, uh, defensive tackles in a, in a 4-3 are going to be able to or are going to be expected to get it to the quarterback a little bit more often and, and uh that that plays a big role on on how teams view a player, and if they put a guy who's a four three defensive tackle and a three four defense, they're going to struggle. So it, it's it's a, an interesting, fascinating you know study that you can go and and look at a number of these guys who have played really well, but haven't been put in the best positions and and, and didn't have as good a careers as they could have because of it. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so we got two picks left here: Denver and Dallas. Number nine, Denver. Uh, I, I think they, they expected more. Wait, skip, skip number eight. Oh, wait, I did. You're right. I skipped number eight. <laughs> number eight, Carolina. I think we're in the same boat. You did talk about it before. I'm going Trey Lance. I think you're right. Teddy Bridgewater gives them uh, an opportunity to still, you know, play, be in a lot of these games and it allows Trey Lance to learn uh, before they eventually move on to what will be Trey Lance as the quarterback because, and this is this is the biggest thing, I don't think Carolina drafts in the top eight again. And there's not going to be a quarterback like Trey Lance with the talent that he has, even if he does need some time to develop, I don't think a guy like that's going to be just falling into their lap as they expect to, you know, Matt Rule plans to build on the success and and doesn't want to be drafting in the top 15 probably again if he had his way. Uh, so I think getting a quarterback here of the future makes a lot of sense as they continue to build this organization. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that, that really is the, the, the primary key is that they're not a bad team. They're really not. Mm-hmm. I mean, they only won five games, but they're not a bad football team. They drafted a ton of talent on the defensive side of the ball. And it's really only because Bridgewater is such a limited quarterback that their offense wasn't more successful because DJ Moore is an outstanding talent at mm-hmm. wide receiver. Uh, Robbie Anderson, is he's not DJ Moore, but he can put up better numbers. He's an outstanding talent at wide receiver. You know, McCaffrey and even Mike Davis, the backup, are both fantastic. You know, Teddy's a game manager. That's what Teddy is. That's what he's always been. Um you know, had they had a, a a guy who could really, really threaten the defense, their offense could have been extremely dynamic. And Trey Lance is a guy like that. So allowing him to come in and sit behind Teddy, I mean, again, like I said, I, I just feel like this benching was really disrespectful. And mm-hmm. if you're bringing Trey in, he's not going to learn a whole lot about gunslinging from Teddy. But still, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think they go Lance and they and they bring Bridgewater back for one more year, regardless. Yeah. All right. Now we have two picks left. I, I promise I wasn't trying to intentionally skip Carolina. Uh, for some reason, I just moved past them. Uh, won't happen again, I promise. But number nine, Denver. Uh, I So I, I think they expected more to A.J. Bouye. Uh, this is a this is a good team. I think this is a team that is also a quarterback away. I have them going to the playoffs this year because I was a bigger Drew Locke believer than I should have. Uh, and I'm paying for it because of that. I think they would love to draft a quarterback if there was one available. I think Trey Lance makes a lot of sense. And considering the weapons they've got, they've got a decent offensive line. You could make the case that if if Denver goes after Trey Lance, he could start right away. Uh, But he's not there. He's not on the board. So too bad for them. But I think they can help another need. I think cornerback is is something that they're lacking. Caleb Farley, 
probably the best cornerback prospect in my eyes from what I've seen this season. So I think he makes sense to go there. Um, although it's not a qu uh, quarterback, I think they'll try to maybe do something in the offseason to address this need. Who knows? But uh, the, I, I've got him taking Caleb Farley. I, I like the pick. I, I like the player. Um, I do think they'll they'll stay on the defensive side of the ball simply because, you know, yeah, the Trey Lance isn't going to be there. Um, and Locke, you know, uh, sort of for as up and down as he – as he's been, he, he does have the talent necessary to be a lot better than, than what he's played. Um, there's some quirks in his game and, and even his personality from what I know. But, um, yeah, I think that they give him another year. You know, he's still on the cheap rookie deal. Uh, so, And I like the defensive side of the ball as a pick for them. But I've got him going quitty pay from, from mm -hmm. Michigan. Um, and I don't know that Bradley Chubb is going to be back from the injury. Hopefully everything's fine. Um, you know, there's even been some talk over the last couple of years about moving Von Miller, which is weird to me. Uh, I, it feels like he should retire there and, and get a statue at some point. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they'll go with the uh, the defensive end, Quiddy Pay from Michigan. All right, one final pick. It's Dallas. There's a lot of directions they could go. I think they've got a lot of holes on a lot of places. Um, but I'm going to start with the offensive line. Now, if this pick is a little bit later, if if Slater is gone, if he's not on the board uh, with this pick, I actually really love Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, the, the guard tackle out of USC. This season had to play left tackle because of a need. Is normally a left guard, but he came in and, and absolutely dominated uh, and played really well, a lot better than people were expecting. So I think he makes sense for Dallas because he can move around to a lot of positions, kind of fill in as guys get injured, which, you know, as the Dallas offensive line gets older will happen. But because Rayshon Slater is still here, hasn't been taken yet, I think Dallas can't help but go after go after what they hope will be their left tackle of the future. So although Elijah Vera Tucker makes sense for you know uh, flexibility and and all that, I think Slater in the end his talent wins out and the Cowboys go uh, Rayshon Slater. Yeah, I, I like the pick. I actually have the same one. Um, it was for me. It was kind of a toss up between him and Patrick Sertain or Caleb Farley. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a cornerback. They need a lot of help. Um, but I think they want to bring Dak back with Dak getting hurt last year with Tyron Smith on the decline. Yeah, I think the offensive tackle makes perfect sense. Um, you know, I think it would be hilarious if, like in my mock draft, I haven't had Devontae Smith drafted yet. I think it would be hilarious if Jerry Jones just demanded they draft him mm. and, and he wants Dak to throw for 8,000 yards. My but, goodness. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we agree on that 10th pick. Same guy. Yeah, I was talking to a friend, a, cow uh, a friend of mine who's a Cowboys fan, and I said, you realize that you could have signed, um, you could have signed Byron Jones with that Amari Cooper money and gone out and drafted C.D. Lamb. And he hates that I bring it. I bring it up pretty regularly, and he he honestly hates that I bring it up. But it's true. I mean, they really it, it helped the strength. But because that offensive line went down, because the defense was so bad, I mean, they ended up having C.D. Lamb wasn't even a big thing for him, which was just funny to me. It was kind of ironic, you know, in, in the way that they went about it. Yeah, you know, free agency uh, blunders can really screw everything up for an organization, and I've always wanted the NFL to have free agency after the draft. I, I don't understand why they do it first. Um, to me, you know, you, you go through free agency, you have no idea who you can draft. That, that's just a, a, a crapshoot, and you don't know who's picking in front of you. Mm -hmm. You know what you're going after in free agency. You absolutely know. And it, I don't understand why they do free agency first. I, I don't like it. I wish they had the draft first and then free agency. Um, but 
every year, you know, teams will they'll find a guy where, and then that's the best position that falls to them in the draft, where they could draft him, and then they don't draft him because they just signed a guy who's technically inferior, but they just allocated all their money to him. Um, you know, and just talking about the Panthers at eight there, you know, thinking about that with the Trey Lance pick, last year, you know, had the Panthers signed, say, a Jameis Winston instead of Teddy Bridgewater, at number eight, they could take Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. And you, you combine Kyle Pitts with mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, and DJ Moore, oh, my goodness. I mean, Jameis is throwing for 6,000 with that. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. But because you went and signed Bridgewater, who they've looks like they've already given up on him and he's a game manager, you're not going to take Kyle Pitts. You know, you need a new quarterback. And so that one free agency blunder messes up even the next year's draft. Yeah, it's I love I love the offseason. It's got its whole world to it. Uh, and so I'm, I'm excited for, for everything to happen. And like you said, one domino falls the wrong way and it messes up everything, which is just, uh, you know, paradise for people that are looking for some sort of entertainment after football is over. But this has been this has been great. I, I always love when we get a chance to talk and uh, hopefully we can get you back on here real soon. Sounds fun. You have a great night, brother.